0: The it's mile, the great sight to the black man, it's down to the left child, we will survive, in this country wilderness. Swimming through the waters above and on like a rebel fish, journalist, specialist, predatory, and survivalist. Spinning heaven, fire, puppy's lips. burning, save drive up.
1: Welcome, listeners, the black of to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4-6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting. Get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215 49098 32 That's 215 We're streaming live at several locations, yeah. you can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the home page, and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, it's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to com forward slash Time for an Awakening. Again, that's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I forward slash Time for an Awakening. Catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And in that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream your program live even into your car if you have the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening. You also have the fan page on Facebook. and that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program, there you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times and share with your friends. Also, check out that time for An Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the B.B. Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Time for an Awakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening media. It's a Sunday evening in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, pretty mild Sunday evening here on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening and our special guest this evening. And it ought to be interesting conversation because any time he is on, it's always timely because it's dealing with a situation that we face constantly. Our guest tonight is author, clinical psychologist, Dr. Jerome Fox. The topic of various discussions this evening will center around the book, Addicted to White, the Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, a Shame-Based Alliance. And we'll get started with our special guest after we come back from a brief word from our sponsors.
2: Mr. Moderator our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here.
4: Five eight eight five two four four four. That number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 All Insurance Incorporated
1: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at an awakening is 713 here in the city of Philadelphia. And before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia Activist, and the tour guide at the African American Museum. In Philadelphia at 7th and R Street, Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard, yes, sir. Brother Elliot, how are you, sir? Uh,
5: I'm doing fine, you know, as you mentioned, the, the temperature is starting to move in my direction. You know? <laughs> um, I, I, and, and 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 I don't care if we are on lockdown or not, um, I'm, I'm I will enjoy it, you know. Um, so but beyond that, I think, um, the um discussion, conversation, exchange we're um, going to have with Dr. Fox. And, and, you know, once again, um, looking over um, his, the manual of uh, Addicted to White, you know, the Oppressing the League with the Oppressors, a shame-based alliance, it comes, you know, helps us kind of maybe make, um, reinforce, or you know, uh, hopefully for the Time for Awakening audience also, reinforce our, our analysis of how we should view things that are happening outside ourselves and even more importantly within ourselves. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it to the conversation in exchange. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm glad to have Dr. Fox,
1: Dr. Fox back with us because, um, you know, Richard, his book kind of makes us face the reality that the things that we believe and some of the mindsets that our people carry, uh, a lot of times is detrimental to us. And it seems like a great majority of the time we don't realize where these thoughts are coming from. We just react to a lot of different things and our people have been under pressure for so long. We're in a constant mode of uh, of reacting, um, but the key thing is, and I think it's am I getting a little interference? That might be. I think that might be on your end, Richard. Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that one of the keys always is that we have to develop a new ma- a new mindset, a new strategy in order to move our people forward. We have to change our thinking and the way we're looking at our situation. And uh, the way we view uh, our current oppressors, uh, even if some people don't see them as oppressors. Mm. Let's uh, let's bring uh, Dr. Fox into this conversation. It's always good to have him with us, author, clinical psychologist. Dr. Jerome Fox is with us. The book, Addicted to White, the Oppressed. In league with the oppressor, Doctor Fox, are you with us, sir?
9: Yes, I am. Thank you very much for having me.
1: I'm glad to have you back with us. Uh, you know, this conversation seems to always come up. Myself and Brother Richard kick it, kick some things around, and uh, you know, he's he's always talk. He always talks about the conversations that he has with you. Um, and it ain't I ain't always favorable I'm letting you know, um, Elliot, and the listeners. <laughs> yeah. And I hear you on other venues talking about this this subject uh, dr fox um and let let's uh,
9: it would be okay if it weren't always favorable <laughs> just to let you know
1: as well <laughs> let's let's get right into it dr fox um last week um after the uh biden address um and we're getting a little feedback. I think that's on your end, Richard. Yeah. I don't know if it's picking up my shuffling or what. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it is. Mm. Um, uh, after the, uh, Biden address, um, statements was made by, um, Tim Scott and also Kamala Harris that started a response, uh, on social media and other venues among black people about the comments that Scott made. And in some areas, the comments that Kamala Harris made about, uh, this country not being a racist country. Um, I heard something and I, and I want to get you to weigh in on this because I think it deals directly with, with, an addiction to white. But I wanna see how you see this in relation to the comments that they made. Uh one other thing I want to throw into the mix before uh we get you to weigh in on this issue, Dr. Fox, is uh this morning I tuned into uh Meet the Press and uh they had the host and his name escapes me. And they had four different folks that was uh talking about different issues uh, one of them was the uh the sister uh Yamha and you had uh two other uh white uh, women and an Asian male and before they went off their segment the host brought up the comments by Tim Scott um, and he played them on the air and went to, uh, Yamisha Alcindor to get her to comment on it. Uh, not surprisingly to me, she said basically the same thing that Kamala Harris said that the United States is not a racist country, but it's certain things here that points to racism existing. Uh, the, odd thing about it and it wasn't odd but I, i just hope that some of our people pick up on this especially if they watch that particular program usually on those shows when the host asks a question he basically wants everybody to weigh in and answer but today when he asked that question he asked it to our sender and then went on to another topic with the Asian, and the other white host that was there. All four of them was on the screen. He asked her that question and asked her specifically for an answer and then went on to something else. The thing I want you to weigh in on, Dr. Fox, is the answer that she gave um, similar to the answer Kamala Harris gave and Tim Scott's answer where it's clear that if you look at Our experience here and the Europeans' experience with not only our ancestors, but with other peoples that they came in contact with being here, that this country is built on racism, their life's blood is racism, and it is is a racist country. Uh, What is it that some of our people don't want to say that in front of white folks? Is it a fear? Isn't an addiction to white. Is it that they really believe this country is not racist? Give me your uh clinical <laughs> analysis of this, Dr. Fox. All
9: right. The um you know, this our situation gets um in in some aspects more and more complicated uh the more and more we try to accommodate our oppressors. Um, As I say in in my workbook, uh, in in the preface, that um, Africans, that's us, must focus on freeing ourselves from white supremacy in all of its disguises or remain in great peril while relying on those who hate us to provide the basic necessities of life which are sustenance, clothing, shelter, energy, safety, healthcare, and knowledge. Now, I hate to get so so reductionist um, in my thinking, but in truth, we sort of exist at the grave's mouth, not only um, materially in in, in many cases, but also intellectually in that we can't seem to produce Uh, even one idea independent of what our oppressors give us. And because these people are completely, and all of us really, I guess, to some degree, are completely dependent upon um, the the white supremacist um, system in which we try to exist, uh, because we're completely dependent upon them for our salary and for our upkeep, in a sense, um, we're more than willing to sacrifice ourselves, um, our dignity, in order to um, just simply survive. As I say uh, later on in the book, well, also going back to the preface, that every relationship, and we may want to deny this, but um, you know, the facts are what they are, um, There's several, there's a couple of rules that govern um, human interaction. One being that uh, both parties in a relationship must give as well as take. That's rule one. Rule two, the net value of all that is offered by each giver must be desired by each taker. As the uh, noted uh, sociologist uh, George Semmel once put it, all contacts among men, rest on, and women, rest on the schema of giving and returning the equivalents. So we have to ask ourselves as we observe each other operate in this context of what I call context of hate, uh, what are we getting out of it? Um, if this is true that all relationships are based on an exchange, what are we as the oppressed um, um, you know, partner in this um, exchange what are we getting out of it and I try to answer that a little bit uh, later on I think when I talk about fear I'm trying to turn to that now because uh, um, fear you mentioned fear in your introductory comment is an extremely important um, factor and, and um, or explanatory Factor or a factor that has uh, 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 um, important explanatory power uh, uh, in looking at and uh, in interpreting our behavior. As I say, um, maybe it's not there, but I talk about the exchange that we uh, have made. Right, the deal. That we've made with our white oppressors and we see this deal playing out from um, you know person to person um, you know politically and, and in every sphere of our life because uh, these people are in our lives we're trying to survive in their context of hate so we're going to see this this exchange um, um, play out and um, it's a what uh, on page 1 for those who may have the book and are following along on page 113 um i i speak of this exchange that i say that in a chamber of fear and it is really fear a version of the infamous faustian exchange you know faust made this um deal with the devil uh, in the infamous Faustian exchange, uh, rather in this chamber, an infamous Faustian exchange is made between Africans and our white oppressors. White oppressors agree not to take the physical life of Africans in exchange for our mental life, that being our dignity, our autonomy, our self-esteem, ethnic loyalties, maturity, and sanity. It's as if uh, the white oppressor is saying, we white oppressors will allow you Blacks to live, if only at the grave's mouth. Um, Perhaps get the formal education, really indoctrination, we've designed for you. Make a little money, and maybe we'll turn a few of you into famous and beloved poster boys and girls for white value dependency. But you must never... Challenge us in thought or deed. Um, and this deal is sealed with the envy or disdain that Afghans, uh, um, that we as Africans, um, are then trained to display toward each other. Uh, and I give, uh, one prime example is the O, uh, the, the O.J. Simpson really tragedy. Um, but there are many others that uh, have made this, this jumped, um, been uh, uh, eager to make this exchange. And that's what we see, um, these, these timid people. Uh, we've made an exchange that, um, Masa, please don't take my life. And there's many ways of doing that. Don't starve me to death. Don't um, put me out on the street. Um, and I'm willing to exchange my loyalty to my people. And my dignity for that. And that's all that's going on. We have to understand a few things. Uh, um, on one hand, it seems, you know, complex. On the other hand, it really isn't very complex. There are three motivations, which I speak about also later on in the book, that um, uh, drive human behavior typically. The one motivation is to um, um, seek pleasure. The other motivation is to avoid pain. And the third motivation is to conserve energy, which is just a fancy way of saying, be lazy. Um, So we're not willing to give up anything in order to, or not much in order to correct um, the wrongs that have been done and continue to be done or perpetrated against us, nor obviously are our white oppressors willing to sacrifice anything in order to correct their behavior. So that's where we lie. Um, and this kind of what I call political masturbation, uh, you know, um, throwing out wolf cards, sable rattling. Um, but that's all. And even if that, for some are just total, uh, become total slaves. Um, and I, and I define slave, uh, uh in my book on around page 35. Uh, A slave is one whose basic affects are restricted, affects are emotions, are restricted to shame and fear. That's us. Collectively, African-Americans are the progeny of cowards. Now, a lot of people hate me for saying that, but but we see it. Um, We get get used to telling the truth about ourselves, um, as well as our oppressor. are the progeny of cowards, those who surrender to this slave mentality in exchange for physical survival only. Um, That's the exchange, keep me alive and I'll give up everything else that's Um, non-physical. What is worse, this heritable cowardice has led uh, um, African-Americans unwittingly into modern day slavery. Um, And I go on to say about about different segments of our um, community functioning as white oppressors doing their job for us. So, And you see the spokespersons for the white supremacist ideology um, are obviously the white supremacists, but also these slaves among us um, whose job dependent upon them and you know etc they all their dreams uh, because they have successfully captured our thoughts um, there is uh, there's several ways to analyze um, um, oppression and um, it's a effects I guess um, and there's three things that your oppressor, your, your oppressor uh, seeks to control um, your body that's why they can just kill us at will. Um, Your money, um, that's why we have not uh, succeeded, or uh, partly why we have not succeeded in uh, forming our own economy. Um, And and lastly, um, your attention. So in other words, they capture your mind. Um, And that's all that we are dealing with. And clearly, you won't be able to really make any, um, uh, achieve any permanent change in your circumstance until your mind um, is changed. That is really the first step. Um, as uh, Frankel, uh, Victor Frankel, a Jewish um, Holocaust survivor, uh, once said, when a people are no longer able to change a situation or a hostile group like our white oppressors, um, that same people are challenged to change themselves. And, and when you change yourselves, including their response to that hostile group of people, and, and we change that, we will find that it's uh, um, much easier uh, um, to overcome this oppression because our oppressors are really not that smart. Um, they use the same divide and conquer tactics over and over again, and we, we just keep falling for them. Um, but um, we will find that once we get our head in order, um, everything else will fall in place. But we refuse, um, we just refuse to focus on that as a first step. And as a result, we, got a lot, we get a lot of saber rattling. Um, they, they uh, As I say at some point in the book, uh, they give us a little holiday cheer um, and we get all excited um, but th- basically, things go back to, to the way they were are, and have always been, um, and it's that cycle over and over and over again. Um, but that's basically that's all going on there. I could go along with a um, um, with a uh, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris if I felt that saying that uh, America is not racist was really strategic on her part. I could even go along with it uh, with Biden. It w- was strategic in the sense that I have to say this in order to maintain control. And the things that I wanna do, I was speaking now uh, in terms of Kamala Harris, the things I want to, uh, this administration to accomplish for black people, I and and this party has to stay in power. Um, or or uh, the power is really the wrong word, and I explain that in the book as well. I and this party have to stay in authority. We have to have the authority to enact these various um, um, policies and programs. And, and if, for what, for now, to stroke that very fragile white uh, ego, I have to say uh, that um, America is not a racist, but that gives me space to continue to work on behalf of my people, I could see that. I'm just not so sure that that really is the case. Um, And of course, we know that's not the case with that Sambo um, Scott. Uh, And I had had really um, peeped that even before he made his speech on another program about the day before he um, uh, responded to the uh, president's address. And I called him a sambo at that time, and within uh, less than 24 hours, he proved me to be right. Um, But the basic problem is that um, you know we spend too much time describing the problem. Uh, We just really enjoy throwing um, epithets at each other, Um, and not and and allowing these crackers um, to take up too much real estate in in our brain. We need to spend much more time, all of that time, focused on, um, decluttering our brain, detoxifying from this white value system and that, that supports a white worldview that is destructive, that is deleterious, uh, 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 deleterious, um, to our life and certainly to our, um, um, uh, prosperity.
5: You know, if I, if I can, because on the other side of in the, in the manual that you raised in, in L.A., in, 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 uh, um, um, I want to see how you, how we should view this. And, it's, I, and it is, I guess, the descriptive in dealing with fear. And you say that this deal is sealed with the envy or disdain that Africans are then trained to display towards each other. And the reason why I want to bring that up is because we're also hearing um coming out of, of the, I'm going to call it foot down and I'm going to come back to that. But the propaganda machine about the amount of, of deaths that is being um, incurred. Um, they're not, I don't think they're even using the term black on black crime anymore. Um, you know, but they, they're just saying, you know, the gun violence, you know, um, is that. Another manifestation of this value of uh white value playing out even from a different perspective, which has nothing to do with uh maintaining a a position or 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 a mindset within the white power structure or white relationship.
9: what well, always relates to maintaining a a spot in their system, but um, behavior is overdetermined, which j- just simply means it, uh, it, can't, it, it takes more than just one um, um, explanation uh, to decipher our behaviors. Um, uh, so we can have more than one, in other words, we can have more than one motivation uh, for a particular behavior. Uh, uh, but it's always based in this uh, very basic, Uh, desire to just really survive this Holocaust um, that is is just unending, that um, uh, uh, we are swept up in at at this time. But the gun violence, which Crack has always tried to bring up when we really describe them accurately as the homicidal uh, savages that they are, um, they want to bring up us killing each other. But in truth, I would just say, Um, As many others have said, practically every problem that we experience, and this doesn't excuse us by the way for tackling these problems, but uh, practically every problem that we experience is due to our oppression. Um, So even when crackers try to uh, throw this up in our face, as I say, in my definition, let me go back to that. I think that was page 33 Uh, in my definition of a slave. Um, I talk about the stuff that we do to each other in our various uh, positions as a TV journalist, as, as a teacher or, or whatever. We're just following the, the script that's been handed um, uh, to us by our white oppressors. And, and, and I get to a certain point where I, I mentioned, um, uh, uh, and I call these uh, black functional uh, whites, so the black functional white KKK style hooded hoodlum among us are gangsters is just as prone to hate on a nigga um, and snarky as any white oppressor. Um, and snarky white racists are quick to highlight these white value dependent Africans. Now we don't typically think of the gangster as a white value addict, but he or she is, by the way. Uh, And these snarky whites are quick to highlight these white value dependent Africans who do the same thing to other blacks that the white races are accused of doing. But not surprisingly, the same white races are slow to remember that these addicted lily-livered surrogates uh, what most people call slaves have been forged by unrelenting white oppression for the purpose of extending white oppression, in, uh, and uh, the white oppressors rather reach into and control over black communities. So they're only doing the white oppressors' um, um, uh, bidding through that kind of be, uh, behavior. And we know that now, do we still have to deal with it? Of course. Um, um appropriately uh and and for some i mean if 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 we were to ever to engage in a correct um combat with um uh with these uh uh hateful white folk who are definitely at war with us even though we we, we refuse to defend ourselves um if, but if we were ever to turn around and really engage in this warfare, particularly the psychological uh, warfare, some of these lily-livered um, slaves uh, would have uh, would have to go uh, right along with the white oppressor. Um, we'd have to treat them, in other words, as if they were what they want to be, which is white. Um, but we obviously we're not at that at that stage. Um, I'm not sure that that. You, offer, you were asking something else um, about uh, what? related to fear as well, but I, I, I can't remember.
1: Well, Dr. Fox, let me, um, because the, the, what Richard just brought up about violence is where I wanted to go next. But let me say this and get you to weigh in on it, and then uh, I want to jump back into what Richard just brought up. Okay. Um, coming out of Now, this is the way I'm viewing it, and help me with this. Uh, When our people uh, came out of chattel enslavement and and, and won the Civil War, and our people won their, quote-unquote, freedom to break those chains, and we started uh, towns and in certain areas, independent economies, uh, one thing that I don't see that was really worked on, and help me with this. Is the mental illness that our people had suffered, and when I say mental, right. mental, I- exactly mm-hmm. the the, the mm-hmm. insane uh, living condition that we had been under for hundreds of years, not a couple of years, not uh, a brief period, for hundreds of years, and those behaviors just started to grow in another direction. And when I say grow in another direction, our people, when we came out of enslavement, they started social orders, the Boulay and Mm -hmm. uh, NAACP, where they couldn't have independent ideas that wasn't given to them by white folks. Mm -hmm. That dependency was never really addressed among black people. They never really addressed that. That's just the way I'm seeing it. Give me your opinion on that.
9: Well, I think uh, when we we uh, um, do a survey of of our history, you will find that there were many um, efforts, at least, uh, to separate um, from the white oppressor. Uh, we named our organizations African, mm-hmm. um, a a name or word that became anathema over time, but not initially among our ranks. Uh, um, There were some real efforts to build um, co-ops and to really depend upon each other, but it just was not enough. Um, And as a result, too, not enough attention was paid to our psychological trauma. There is a hierarchy of pain. Um, There's just a natural hierarchy of pain. And physical pain is far more pressing than psychological pain. Uh, uh, You know, if I I start cutting you or or, or really pinching you hard, um, you're not thinking about um, the trauma that that, that's doing to your um, to your brain or to your thinking. What you're thinking about is getting some physical relief. Um, uh, uh, from that pain, so all the attention is based on get these shackles off of me, these physical shackles off of me. Um, and there is remembering the three motivations for our behavior is to um, um, avoid pain, uh, seek pleasures. So after the physical pain is taken away, or at least um, uh, some of it, um, there is a tendency to want to rejoice. Um, as opposed to keep your your shoulder to the wheel, so to speak, which involves more pain. By the way, it's a different type of pain, um, um, but it's more pain, and the natural tendency is to want to escape. Uh, that's why Dr. Du Bois uh, uh, spoke about uh, um, um, the, the obstacles to what he called at that time a Negro's building. A Negro nation within a nation, and not what 1933. Um, and he mentioned these uh, four obstacles: uh, scatter, suppress, escape, wait. And these were the tactics that black people were using in the 1930s to try to uh, gain or achieve some relief um, from oppression. And those tactics just don't work, but those tactics have continued to be used up to this present day. We think that we're going to be free um, by escaping, you know, one at a time, escaping from the ghetto, escaping from, you know, poor conditions, one at a time. And as Dr. DuBois said back then, that will never work. Um, there has to be a more collective um, effort to lift the whole boat, so to speak, not just one person jumping ship uh, one at a time. Uh, um, But we haven't been able to see that. And of course, we have to understand, too, uh, something that I say early on in the book, and this is why we have to be somewhat compassionate, at least in our understanding. Now, what we do with this understanding is, is maybe different, but... Um, certainly, you have to be compassionate in your perspective when you're trying to analyze uh, what's going on. Uh, I say on page 16, deeply rooted, centuries-long, ongoing oppression is devastatingly traumatic as it truncates the full range of options oppressed people are able to perceive or even imagine for our lives. Denial of the uh, denial of this um, denial of the fact of this kind of trauma, its epigenetic, intergenerational impact, and the uh, responsibility to fight back is typical of many survivors who wall off the unending horrors enacted upon them in order to avoid going slowly inexorably mad. In contrast um, uh, to this, people who survive time-limited, not this centuries ongoing oppression, but time-limited Holocaust uh, torture with their cultural heritage and group preservation instincts still intact. That's what was what, destroyed in us, our group preservation instincts. Not just me, 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 but the group. Okay, um, But those groups that have survived the Holocaust and their uh, group um, uh, preservation instincts still intact may react quite differently. For example, they become hyper-vigilant and obsessed with telling the story of their sufferings repeatedly. Not denying it, but telling it over and over and over again and to anybody who, who will listen in media. And all media, with um, you know, they become obsessed with getting in front of any new technology that could be used to harm them in the future uh, with hunting down their torturers, like reparations, and bringing them to justice with demanding reparations, with studying subjects like blind obedience or authoritarianism. Um, and with building their own institutions, economy and defense system, when you're a group, um, preservation instincts are, are intact. You will do that when they're not, you won't.
1: Okay. Um, Dr. Foss, I want to go back to, uh, the area The violence. Yeah. Richard was going down. Um, the mental illness, as you describe in the book, that our people are still reeling from. Uh Richard brought up the violence uh in the communities, knowing that this is a violent society that we live in, the most violent on the face of this earth, even though America tries to point its finger at other people, the numbers don't lie.
9: Yeah, well, that's music to the, my ears. That's exactly where I was going to go. Okay, um, it, but go ahead, keep talking.
1: Now we're in a violent society, mm-hmm. but being that our people are still dealing with this addiction that you're talking about, do you see the violence that's out of control in our communities as a um, a a self destructive behavior? from the mental illness?
9: Well, um, well two things here. Uh, just keep in mind, sort of as a, a, a footnote, that the um, system of, of, of white values, the, the uh, system of pathological white values that we um, serve, that our behavior serves, is predicated on um, nar- uh, narcissism, greed, and violence. And not only is that very characteristic you can get this on page seven in the book. Not only is that characteristic of um not page seven, I think it's page nine. Not only is that characteristic of our white oppressors that our entire um um value system disorder is predicated on narcissism, greed, and violence and think if if there's one thing. That people can take from this work, if you don't really want to follow his prescri- uh, prescription, you need to take that, that the value system that you are, are so caught up in is predicated on narcissism, greed, and violence. And you can see that in each other, the jealousy, the envy, um, um, of the idea that somehow, you know, I'm better. Uh, than the next person that's value number five uh, uh, when it's played out on an individual basis uh but even racism you know that my group, my race is better than yours that's that's a subcategory of narcissism and of course, you know the greed everything is about getting that paper money 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 um um and, and not value, not real value, but just get that paper so you can get, get, accumulate more creature comforts. And then of course, violence. So, oh, that's so when way, when you turn out to be violent, and nobody, as you just said, nobody can be more violent when you check out history than these white savages have been. Uh, I mean, literally, and things that we couldn't even think of doing, um, they have done to us um uh so and when and you buy into that there's no other way for you to be but just like them narcissistic you see it all of the time among ourselves um uh, all of the narcissists um um uh greedy and violent now uh, the uh, so-called black on black um um uh, uh crime I explain, I think, fairly thoroughly when I talk about, I think, in Chapter 4, I get all of these topics that if people uh, follow my prescription, would be talking about in these groups, uh, these into blessedness fellowships. And I give, uh, I think, about 17 topics. And one of the topics happens to be self-hatred. So obviously the violence against each other emerges from our self-hatred and um, I give a, a sort of psychoanalytic explanation but I think it's a um, an accurate one I'm trying to turn to the self-hatred uh, guilt and shame I think it's after that uh, intersection of racism and uh, now that's not it so I could just get to self-hatred real quick because uh, it's forgiveness self hatred on page one twenty nine um how do i say, with after hailed him no um, another basis for uh, well the curly hair i think um well I'll just go ahead and just give what i know uh the the self hatred is expressed in this whole idea that after a while um, a battered child um, infant really will over time if the um, neglect and and mistreatment continues will turn on him or herself and even the uh, the bad uh, the, the breasts at which the uh, um, suckling uh, um, receives his or her uh, sustenance um, it, 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 the infant's mind cannot, distinguish between the mother's breast and themselves. They just think the food is really coming from themselves as an infant. Uh, but when there's and the withholding of that uh, uh, because of the bad mother or parent, uh, eventually the child begins to think of them. Um, 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 turns on themselves. Uh, they turn on the so-called bad breast or whatever, and that turning on oneself is the essence of Depression. We are very depressed people, understandably so. Um, so, and that depression, that turning on themselves, uh, um, uh, eventually leads to aggressing against oneself. And if, if you take the group as a self, then we're aggressing on ourselves, on each other, uh, because we are depressed, uh, given all of the uh, uncontrollable or so we think, uncontrollable uh, um, um, pressure that's being um, placed on our lives, um, we th- seem to be unable to figure out any other solution um, than to become depressed and basically kill ourselves. Um, the, the, the black-on-black violence, uh, y- yes, it is homicidal, uh, at first blush, but it's really an, uh, on an individual level, it's homicidal. But on a group level, it's suicidal. And homicide and suicide, certainly within the psychoanalytic uh, 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 tradition, always uh, uh, co-occurs. So uh, it's really an instance of suicide our violence toward one another and one way out of that as i say and i'm really sorry that i can't find this but one way out of that i I do remember is to take this rage um that we have that we're expressing toward each other i.e the group self and turn it on its to its proper target the proper we're, we're angry at the bad parent, at the bad mother, in this case that's treating you so bad or treating us so bad so the um, the healthy response is to help a people uh, um, or help the patient um, turn that anger on its prop uh, toward its proper source, which is not yourself but uh, the people who are causing you pain, and that 's how we will get out of this um, that 's why I really feel so. Liberated, uh, people who participate in these marches who have never, um, um, confronted, uh, uh the enemy, uh, so to speak, before, feel so oh, good after returning from one of those marches, um, or whatever, even a riot, uh, can feel really very good. That's because, in truth, uh, they have learned to turn the anger, their anger, on its proper target, not themselves but the people who are actually um, perpetrating the crimes against them.
5: Uh, go, go ahead, Richard. No, I, I was, um, at first I was going to, wanted to follow, you know, the, the mental health part. Um, and, and if, and, and I want to do two things um, in setting up, you know, for the question and exploration. And um, because what you, what you raised, Dr. Fox is, you know, moving us, we have to, also deal with how do we deal with the solutions. But in the question uh, you know Elliot, you, you raise, um, it brings me back to this um, and um, this um, a part that I found and I, I think I, I was using um, Dr. Henderson's book to, to say in relationship to the black church and his shift. And then I found that um, and Dr. Fox you raised even with Dr. Bo, uh, the boys, um, made an assessment, a, a structural assessment in relationship to our institutions. Because the question is about our, um, I guess when we deal in whether we deal with the manual and the process laid out there, or we deal with the institutions we have. We have to have a structural process towards healing. And I, it was just interesting to me to read in a, just uh, this paragraph, I just set this thing up in the sense of of what. Um, Carter Woodson or was looking at, at, at his time in the 30s and 40s also and looking at and it was recorded in a look at the voice of the Philadelphia Negro community and we're talking about Philadelphia, represented by the Tribune suggested that even during this period of the 20s and 30s there was considerable dissent between religious and the secular elements voiced by such men as Carter Woodson and Kelly Miller and the Reverend Richard R. Wright. Woodson led with an indictment against the church for shrieking its responsibility. Wright's response was to lambaste the godless intellectuals during the 30s. Woodson published a series of articles that sound not unlike the octetation of Stokey Carmichael today. Black, uh, buy Black, he wrote, support Black business Think black. Don't be ashamed of being Negro and fight for black political power. The educated Negro is neglecting his responsibility. I raise that to say because um, in the book you 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 know in going through the process, you you one of the um, important roles um, in in assisting us in dealing with our our addiction uh, or at least being able to excavate the value systems that we operate in is the facilitator and um could you um, develop for us as you lay out in the book the the importance of the facilitator and what role does that facilitator has to have in assisting us moving or at least um, identifying our addiction to white values
9: Well, let me say before I uh, um, answer that directly that um, given the previous issue about violence, I was looking in the wrong, under the uh, wrong topic. I was looking under self-hatred um, and uh, uh, my analysis of this um, black on black violence, um, is really under the, the section entitled anger. Uh, um, uh, we become angry and rather than turn that anger to its an source, which is white oppression, we turn it on ourselves because we feel powerless um, and um, which is also a trick uh, of the mind and and etc, but now, in terms of what we do about it, we have to start with what we have period so um, um, and that in some ways might be unfortunate because we're not we haven't developed ourselves uh, um, to the degree that we could have and should in order to be useful to one another. Um, I, I tell people you're going you're you're um concentrating on developing your mind even with this um uh white school system as best you can um not necessarily to get a job uh but because uh, to um, um, exercise your mind develop your mind to the point where you can analyze your predicament better. Um, I speak uh, off and on to a lot of young, um, not a lot, but off and on to young people who um, uh, have no um, reading skills, have no desire to read anything. And as, um, you know, Malcolm once said, um, basically uh, uh, reading is a weapon. And it's a weapon that unfortunately we could wield ourselves. Uh, but instead, uh, we you, we allow our adversaries to wield it against us by persisting in illiteracy when we don't have to. Um, and you don't even have to be dependent upon the public school system um, to uh, uh, teach yourself and or, or your children um, how to read. But we do that. Uh, out of laziness, we just rely on them. So that is a weapon. Um, and unfortunately, because we have not developed our brain to the point where we can take on perhaps a facilitator role with confidence, knowing that, you know, I, I, I got this, so to speak. Um, you know, uh, I guess a lot of people feel inadequate in order, uh, in terms of uh, trying to implement The program that I prescribed, um, um, in the book. So uh, my way around that is just to say, hey, look, if you you under if you feel, um, um, as I do about this whole oppressive system and how it's affecting our mind, then just go with what you have at this point, and hopefully it will, uh, um, 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 you your skill at facilitating will evolve and will um, develop. The uh, the most important characteristic that the person can have, a prospective uh, facilitator, is a real desire to deliver him or herself and our people from this mindset. Uh, the problem often isn't so much not even having the skill it's really not having the desire because the facilitator themselves may, may be just too embedded uh with this whole culture to even want to be free him or herself but if you really want to be free uh even your lack of education or developed um um brain uh will not be that much of an obstacle uh be, because your very desire to be free uh will lead you in the right direction um it's the, the uh that's all i can say i mean yeah, and the first thing to do is to declutter your mind first um part of the uh, problem that we face and here's where the complexities come in part of the problem that we face is so many problems uh and, and obstacles to our liberation is that uh, certainly our opponents have an allergy to the truth, uh, to the truth. That, that's why they can't say this is a racist uh, society, horribly racist society. So our adversaries uh, clearly are allergic to the truth but we also are allergic to, uh, uh, to the truth. We, um, When I tell, uh, when I say in this book that um, if we cannot uh, if we do not have the wherewithal, the the, the financial wherewithal, the the emotional wherewithal, um, the intellectual wherewithal uh, um, to raise revolutionists, we have to, to be that focused. We're just uh, just raising a, a good citizen. No, we have decide, we have to decide that we're in a war and we're raising soldiers. So if you're if we do not have The brain power, the money power, the emotional power to raise revolutionists. Then we need to forego having kids. Period. Now, a lot of people don't like that, but in truth, it is unfair to bring an innocent body into this mess that you, as an adult, refuse to uh, to do anything about, or that you, as a community of adults, uh, refuse to correct. Before they get here, um, that that is the height of selfishness because you're definitely not bringing the kid into the world um, for, for any other reason than your own ego. Now, I'm just using that as an example. We, we, we don't want to be truthful about that because then you have to look at your own cowardice and why aren't you working night and day uh, um, to dissolve this, uh, this particular exchange? That we got going on here, this Faustian exchange that we got going on with our enemies. Now Uh, we have to look at a lot of truth: at your own cowardice, um, um, your own lack of character, um, it's uh, it's, uh, your own lust for creature comforts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're not truthful uh, about ourselves. Now, being truthful about oneself is is the best ally uh, uh, to becoming. A, a, a profitable um, facilitator of this kind of process. You have to be, I mean, um, what they call that, uh, uh, fearlessly true, uh, truthful about yourself. Uh, b- but instead, uh, uh, because we uh, uh, prefer political and emotional masturbation, uh, we sit around um, nursing, these uh, self-perceptions that are just not true, but make us us feel good about ourselves. Um, There's nothing wrong with feeling bad about your behavior um, if your behavior needs correction in order for us to be free. Um, uh, Something else i say that people don't perhaps don't like. I'll give one more example, and then I stop. I've said to people... um, We've got how to stop making people heroes in our community just because they get killed. Uh, you getting killed by a cracker cop um, th- does not make you a hero. Um, if, if you need heroes at all, that, that should be based on your contribution. Some of these people even take a, a, a George uh, Floyd um, with his white girlfriend and – and his inability to protect himself from this roving cracker. Um, somebody comes to you uh, after you've left a, a store. And by the way, this this does not excuse, obviously, the behavior of, of that uh, bloodthirsty cracker who's now in jail. They are not the judge, jury, and executed, even though they want to be. But, the idea that we have to make a, a slain person a hero um, is just, it doesn't do us any good. Somebody comes to you, your car and say that you handed, a uh, clerk comes to your car and say, you handed me a a, a, a false bill, a counterfeit bill. If, if you're not about something shifty and shady, you would say, oh, excuse me, I didn't know that. Reach into your pocket and grab a real $20 bill and, and the case is closed. Or uh, if you don't have the money and you really try to slip something by, um, 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 then what you'll do is just give the package back and say, okay, caught, you know, fine. Rather than all this damn rigmarole. The real hero of that situation is the 17 year old who did uh, all the, uh, she felt she could, uh, who used the only weapon that she she had at the time which was that phone camera and exposed it to the world. Uh, that's the person uh, that we should be looking at and I thought it was very curious that after the verdict and all of the um um uh, uh media hounds are are, are talking um, um, they mentioned, and you know, going back as far as Jesse Jackson. Yes, we appreciate all that you've done. I, I love uh, of of um, um Jesse Jackson. I love um what's his name? Who's all uh, um um uh, minister um uh, uh, what's uh, Al Sharpton? Uh, I love all of them and their and being and their effort for whatever other ulterior motive that they may have, but their uh, effort to expose. Um, uh, um what's being done to us, but they're uh, on the um 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 bias just you know self congratulating each other and i didn't hear uh, hardly anyone mentioned the seventeen year old who uh, really sparked the whole thing um so we're just confused on on every level we're not true. Uh, we, and we're not truthful about ourselves. George Floyd is nobody that I, I would say my son, my, my son should look up to. An addict, a white woman, uh, got this um, passing—no uh, 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 doubt knowingly passing um, a bad bill, inviting these crackers into your life.
11: They're on the
9: hunt. Um, you don't have to be doing nothing. They're on the hunt. As if it we live in a preserve. One of those uh, wild animal preserves that these crackers pay uh to go and illegally shoot um uh, um uh, endangered species, but they're treating us as if we're, we're in the same kind of wild um um preserve and they're uh, constantly on the hunt, so you know you you can be accosted by them just minding your business we know that but it's because of that. Why are you inviting these damn savages into your life? Um, and we need to take a look at that also too. If indeed, I give a, a, one final example: this current person in South Carolina is is a drug dealer. Yes, still March, still demand, or was a drug dealer. Um, still demand uh, um, a, a proper justice for him. But don't get it twisted. You, we don't have. To, Uh, The person doesn't, the the, uh, deceased does not have to have been uh, uh, some great person, some you know hero, in other words, and for us to uh, defend his or her right um, uh, to have uh, uh, a fair encounter with this um, justice system. So uh, that putting that aside, but in truth, if this person is a drug dealer, he's an enemy.
1: Of our, He was an enemy of our community. And uh, gonna, let me do this. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, because there's yeah, several yeah. callers here that, that's waiting. I want to see if uh, anybody wants to join in the conversation. And there's a couple other things I want to <clears throat> get to point out some of these addictive behaviors before we deal with some solutions for our community. And we'll do that when we come back from break. We're in conversation with Arthur, clinical psychologist, Dr. Jerome Fox, the book Addicted to White. The oppressed in league with the oppressor. You can join the conversation by dialing two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. Again that's two one five four nine zero ninety-eight thirty-two. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
4: 21- 5-8-8-5-2-4-4-4. That number is 215 885 215 885 All Insurance Incorporated.
8: I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven figure high end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kambon. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.NewBusinessSolutions.com. Just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening.
7: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For
3: 12 years, I and others like me have held out radiant promises of progress I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here and now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith In people who had too often proved to be unfaithful, they were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set.
2: the desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and supreme court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind the honorable elijah muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed we have to change our uh, mind about ourselves in what way well so he uh, teaches us the importance of moral reformation uh, a knowledge of self and uh, for instance if the average so-called negro he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself and because of this he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man or he can only get clothes from the white man or he can only get food from the white man and we who follow the honorable elijah muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind uh, if our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if they could if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves
0: and our kind <laughs> not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations the Jews received over hundred billion dollars in reparations and gets 4 billion annually a Holocaust Museum was set up for them on this soil for over 200 million dollars and they get 221 million annually just for operating expenses but the Catholic Church the Pope the Jews the Arabs white people in general no one wants to pay reparations to these the sons and daughters of Africa so I speak to them I't speak to I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them.
11: And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you've called me a nationalist because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple. It really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America... We know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his. He's going to still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be.
13: courage, let me just say this before our time winds up. And that is I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots. It's entitled something like Breaking Kunta Kente. That scene Opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in, who's the plantation master, sitting in his office. And then Fiddler comes in and says, um, uh, We don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kente has just run away and been caught. And um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene, study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip, and you will find that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte, there's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby, and there's, a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 827 here in the city of Philadelphia. And our guest this evening, author, clinical psychologist, Dr. Jerome Fox, the book Addicted to White, The Oppressed, and League with the Oppressor. You can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. It's kind of ironic that that collage that I played, all the voices that you heard besides Cynthia McKinney, was talking about two things that we're talking about this evening. Our people changing their mindset and our people dealing with fear. Mm-hmm. All of them were saying the same thing. Uh, it's just ironic that, the you know, that, Well, that I think hearing that, that
9: um, most uh, black people who um, um, are, ha- have been taking a look at our community for centuries and decades, certainly, uh, and I often say this, uh, we've all arrived at the same conclusion. You can, can talk, uh, hardly uh, uh, conduct a conversation uh, with uh, with each other and unless the final thought is like, man, there's something wrong with our minds. The only problem has been is that uh, nobody seems to be willing to focus on that problem. If indeed that really is the problem, then then it has to be addressed. We would rather just uh, run out into the street, so-called protesting, than really deal with the condition of our mind. Um, And until we get comfortable with the idea of dealing with that problem, it's gonna remain from generation to generation and we'll always wind up in, in the same situation. Now, maybe over, you know, a billion years with, as Bois said, one black person escaping at a time, maybe things will change substantively that we can't say that black people are no longer under the uh, knee, thumb, foot, whatever, of these damn crackers. But that, that's an awfully long route to take. Uh, toward freedom. And it's an unnecessarily long route. If, if we, we would just deal with this mind issue, we would see very clearly what to do that could really free us, I believe, overnight um, 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 and permanently. But we won't take those actions that would do that because we are just emotionally and mentally to embed it with our enemy. And his and her culture.
1: Richard, you want me to take a couple of these calls or you yeah, want to? Do yeah, that? Okay, let's go to six four seven in Toronto. Six four seven. Toronto, are you there?
10: I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, I have uh wanted to tell uh Dr. Fox that there are three bookstores in Toronto where he can uh Send his book to one is a different book list and one is called uh, um, Knowledge Bookstore that's in Brampton, Ontario. Then there's another brother named Nasa Carey, a good friend of mine. He has a, a he has a, a bookstore. But I had a question. A question. Well, tell those people to, to
9: contact me, um, or um, you could contact me, and we I can do could, that. Could do that. Yes. All right, go ahead. I can
10: do that. And the second question is, in terms of self-determination, you mentioned the fact that uh, you know there, there, there's always been a, a, an element of, of, of African people in the United States that has talked about self-determination. And I wanted to know what what. what let me say that like Oscar Brown Jr.'s father from Chicago had an organization called the uh, 49th State Movement, and he was talking about creating a, a, a state for Black people. That was in that was in the 40s, and of course, we know about the uh, uh, Republic of New Africa and uh, Marcus Garvey's group. I just wanted to know where you stood. Where do you stand on uh, the question of self determination? Are you for African people creating a state inside the U.S. or, or going back to the motherland or going to some other place other than America?
9: Mm-hmm. Um- my issue is that the first step to um, real self-determination is to disentangle our brains from this European white world view, because in truth, um, um, you can look at this um, uh, a couple of different angles. Um, Given the blood, sweat, and tears that we have invested in this land, a land that pretty much – whose prosperity is pretty much predicated on our free labor. I understand people saying that really, why should I go anyplace else? Um, I I also understand people saying that, hey, um, I really want to move out of this place. But the problem isn't right now – where we find ourselves. The problem is the condition of our mind, no matter where we find ourselves. Um, Even if people want to uh, um, continue in this way, and I think at a certain point, um, they're going to have to realize that you have to take over. You can't um, just continue to be dependent upon uh, um, others to do for you what you must uh, do for yourself. So you have to take over. Or you have to mindset. You have to develop the mindset that we are going to take over. We are going to be uh, one way or the other, either the money changers, as I believe if the Jews have, have, been, have come where, wherever they reside, or we're going to be a, the uh, uh, totally in control of the politics not just you know token people here or there but from the president on down we're going to be in authority uh um in order to protect our communities and our people oh, but even to have that mindset uh to even think that you could be in control no matter where you reside um um you gotta get your brain your your uh you know your head in order. We don't even believe that um moreover we we don't even talk in terms of we um in fact, some people if you say we they will um almost you know assault you like what we are you talking about i'm the, uh, you're not my brother um et cetera et cetera so <laughs> until we get our head together. to to engage in these um, fruitless conversations about where to go or or whether or not to stay is just that fruitless because we won't be able to figure that out in in our present state of mind. Let's get our head together, and I guarantee you automatically we will have answered all of those questions.
10: And a second question is, what economic system do you think that we should adopt as, as as, a people?
9: Well, I personally, you know, I'm open to debate, but here again, until we get our head together, I don't think it'll be very clear to us, but I personally am not a capitalist. Um, I don't, I think uh, capitalism is based on, I think what they used to call a, a Peter principle, uh, uh, which requires an underclass, and under a class of consumers um, and so i i'm not I, I don't see the value in in capitalism um, so i think that you have to have a socialist economy in order for our people to thrive um, or any people really to really thrive you know you look at the greed and greed creates um, imbalance and therefore poverty and therefore stress, Um, and all the things that go along with poverty. Um, Capitalism uh, um, supports greed. Um, I don't care what people say, it does support greed. Get as much as your childlike mind, your narcissistic infantile mind, um, gather as much as that infantile instinct uh, drives you to gather. And a child of mine has no limit in a sense of what he or she wants. So you'll just gobble up everything. And you can't – resources are are finite. They're not infinite. They are finite. And if if I'm about gobbling up everything for myself, it's, it's going to leave some people without what they should have. So, and that's what a capitalist system, um, uh, so called free market, leads to every time. Uh, so, there has to be a more um, advanced, Ega- and egalitarian
10: system. situation. Yes. I agree. The yeah, only thing I can say, I'm not a Christian, but I, all I can say is, Amen. Mm-hmm.
14: Okay.
1: Thank you for your call, sir. Thank you for your contribution. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Let's go to 404, 404, question or comment for our guests. 404, are you there? Let's put 404 back on hold. 267, 267, question or comment.
15: Yes, Dr. Fox, how are you? Uh, Mr. Elliot, how are you? Good evening, sir. sir. Uh, uh, And Mr. Richards, how are you? Like you, Elliot, I was looking at a morning... Uh, news, and you you looking at Meet the Press, I happened to have on Fox, and they had the Congressman Ford on there, He was a former congressman of Tennessee, and he was known to have been on the talk line with some women, and as a result, he's no longer in political office. Mm -hmm. But Chris Wallace happened to grab him and let him comment on his ideas and his position on race. And he went with a person like Tim Scott. This goes to show you about people. He says, we don't no longer live in a racist society. And I said to myself that when the European put us in shadow slavery and physical slavery and mental slavery, he meant to take your mind. And that's exactly what he did. And the whole thing is you have to regain your mind, your consciousness, and understand who and where you're from and know the basis of where you're going. So, uh, well, you know, you can't – I'm just going to say this, sir, that you can't – now, now, now he also had a person from the educational system and process. So now they're going to put in the history books the ideas of race, which is no longer around. See, remember, when a European attached you, he made sure that you get your educational system, whatever you called it at that time when you were in the East or even here. My, well, give you some more stuff that I talked about.
9: Yes, yeah, sir. Can I say this, though? Um, sure. Sure. Um, Have Have you read my book? No. Okay. I would strongly encourage you to get it Um, because we, uh, uh, over and over again, fall into the trap of of not uh, knowing how to solve our problems. And in the very um, uh, preface of the book, I start out by defining problem solving. And, and problem solving involves four steps, not one, but four. Mm-hmm. And the first step is describe the problem. And, and later I say that pretty much we've gotten, um, uh, allowed ourselves to be stuck at the first step. We just enjoy talking about each other and how, um, untogether we are and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, with no a uh, solution in sight to that problem. We've been talking about these, uh, you know, Sambos and traitors and whatever forever. Uh, the, uh, the question is, what do we do about it if we can do anything about it? Now, we've yep. been engaged yep. in the psychological war or, 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 since we, you know, we were dragged from Mother Continent to these shores um and you can't expect to be in a war with no casualties um all all war, wars have some casualties now the people that you just mentioned perhaps are the walking dead they are the casualties of this psychological war that has been waged um, uh, that our adversaries have been waging against us uh, as I said, for all of our time on this plan, uh, on this continent, um, uh, so some of that we just have to let go. Uh, uh, there are going to be casualties. Our, our problem at this point is that we don't know how many casualties there 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 are. Uh, so one, one way to word that out is to put ourselves in a program. Of detoxification, of uh, of reprogramming, uh, and just see how many of us can go through that and emerge um, uh, pretty much uh, um, recovered from this. Because if enough of us, if a uh, critical mass of uh, of us emerge from this process. Uh, they, and we can move forward and never have to mention a Ford or a Scott or, or any, anybody else like that again. Uh, but we've become very comfortable, it's value number five, by the way, if you get the book and read it, white value number five, of just spending all of our time, spending all of our wheels saying, you know, ain't it awful? Uh, Kamala said this, Scott said this, ain't it awful, ain't it awful? Well yes, it's always going to be awful until we do something about that mindset.
15: Okay, sir, let me say something now. You had a role going on. And I got to get one going on. What, no, no. no uh, order, what, wait a minute. What, wait a minute dude, I'm not wait, Let me, let me finish. Wait, f- wait a minute. Let me finish. One I more. come from the nation of Islam, and we talk about the 85%. We, no, we, we, the ex the emancipates you. Elijah Muhammad gives you an example of those people. And I'm also knowledgeable of Marcus Garvey. So when you, I understand what you're saying. We may be speaking the same language.
9: Yeah, I think we are. No, I'm only I'm saying same, let's move beyond them. Um, no, 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 I no, don't no, have any desire
15: to really, to really constantly talk no, no, about no, wait a minute. They, wait, wait, wait we a minute. are. No, 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 no. no wait, let me tell you something, sir. They have, we have to be organized to make sure people like yes. that. And, and we can't get
9: organized out. until we get our mind in the right frame. So sure. the, only, the only path to organization is freeing our mind first. So That's let's sure. concentrate not, on I'm freeing not. the mind. Instead, I'm not going to stop, stop asking our
15: people to do no, something. You to put that, is, like that, that on the not prepared spot. No, no, no. To do. You have to put people like that on the spot. They have to be noticed before you go. Remember this. All those slow and multiplying will be left behind. You have to know who is your friend, who's your enemy when you're at war. You gotta open you're in a, you we're a not at war. Enemy down here. We're not
9: at war. We're not fighting back. Are
15: you're not? Well, I'm, no, we're I'm not, not fighting war. back. Well, we're not fighting oh, I am. Not as a group. You're you're like, you might be talking about certain people, but okay. I'm fighting back.
1: Okay. Let me say this. Hold it. Hold it, man. Oh, hold on. You know, we don't want to go back and forth like this. I think you're saying the same things. When he said that we're, we're not at war because we're not fighting back, he's talking about it as a collective. And if you slow down, you'll understand that he's right. We're not fighting it back as a collective. Individuals realize that we're at war. But what he's talking about as a collective, we need to realize we're at war. We need to raise our youth to understand the battle that we face and teach them to be soldiers. We're As a collective, we're not doing that. As individuals, we're doing that. We need
9: to raise our that. consciousness to well, a collective understanding. Well, I want to well, Go know who's my enemy well, and who's okay. not. we don't even think collectively.
15: Well, I have to know who's my enemy and who's not when I'm on the battlefield.
1: Thanks for your contribution, brother. Just for the sake of time, Let me comment that
9: people. on a second, because yes, indeed, you do have to know your enemy, and that's why I put in chapter three. I again mm-hmm. describing the the white oppressor, and I give like, I I don't know how many bullets on on on, on his in, and her psyche and behavior. So yes, you do have to know your enemy, uh, uh, but once you know your enemy. Then you have to know how to fight your enemy, and we're just not there um um so it really does it if you don't know how to fight your enemy, it does you no know good to know who your enemy is because you can't do anything about it
1: let's and go. We're,
9: we're not doing anything about it we just enjoy um epithet slinging let's get this goes back to the truth that I'm talking about let's go back to that. We enjoy epithet slinging. We enjoy calling each other Uncle Toms and, and other stuff. And even though that may be true, and we enjoy calling the cracker a cracker. Some of us do. Um, um, but that's not solving anything. That's not being engaged in war with these people.
1: Let's go to. That's all I'm saying. Let's go to Oberlin, Ohio, see if it's a question or comment. Oberlin, Ohio. Hey, how you
15: doing? How are you, sir? I'm just, I'm doing good. I'm just listening to the guest. Um, I I agree with his insights. And I mean, I, you know, it sometimes it can be like overwhelming, but, you know, he's right. You know, in a lot of ways, like the, the thing is like how, you know, there's 50 million black people in this country. And if we're trying to like, you know, get out of, you know, as, as how would I say, we have to like get our minds right. How, what are we basing that off of? What are, what is that? What is what? What are we lean on to do that? I mean, in in I can, relative... I can
9: answer that, sir. I can answer okay. that real quick. I can answer that real quick. Um, buy my book and read it, and it will answer all your questions. Now, are you willing to do that?
15: Yeah, I can do that. Yeah,
9: okay. Buy the book and read it, and it will answer your
15: questions all right then thank you sir thank you I'll, I'll,
5: thank I will, you so. one of the okay. but one because i want to come back to before you go to the next call elliot as as dr Fuchs raised about the answering because in the in the in the book you know uh, um, maybe i'm over over emphasizing the role of the facilitator and as you define that 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 position because the question came to my mind and I'm, I'm, and I'm posing it to you well wouldn't a church leader have to be based off of utilizing the process in the book and being aware of, of the manual have to be that facilitator or wouldn't a politician um the politicians that are elected um th- th- their role of authority yeah, I think you mean, are
9: perhaps um, uh, kind of... I'm, ask, right over, I'm asking,
5: is those individuals, would they have to be? I mean, I. for I the organizations they the, well, that course they're not. in.
9: In fact, many of those individuals could not possibly be because they're too entwined. Their minds are too entangled uh, with this white system. I mean they are really on the opposite pole. They're not even open to questioning um, um, the fact that perhaps they don't know what life is about, except through the lens of their oppressor. So, I mean, it has to begin with somebody who at least has some doubt about what they believe. What they hold here, uh, uh, what they hold to be dear, uh, um, it, it has to be a doubting person, um, so that this kind of uh, perception can seep in. Otherwise, the, the people that you mentioned, their heads are already closed. They they are the walking dead, for the most part. They are the casualty. We can't look to the casualties of war to lead us out of war. That's not going to happen.
1: Let's go to 215 two, again, 215, 215. And I don't
9: go. hate them, by the way. I love all my people, by the way. Let me just insert that. I, I understand the um, the the condition that we're in, and I understand that, not, that it, 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 given the amount of pressure that has been applied to our lives, it's not surprising to find the majority of us having have, have, have succumbed, uh, having been defeated. I, I And I don't hate any of them. I don't hate Scott. I don't hate Kamala. Not, I understand them. I just understand that we have to move beyond them. Go
1: ahead. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uh, 267. 267, question or comment for, I guess, 267. Let's uh let's go to Pennsylvania again. Question or comment for our guest? Are you there? Okay, let's uh let's put them back. Um uh, with the uh with the time that we have left with our guests, Richard, let me um raise a couple of other things too, because I want to uh in, in some of our time left talk about some of the solutions. Uh Sean was raising the question of some solutions there. And, uh, I w I want to get back on that. Uh, first let me mention a few things about uh, more addicted behaviors that we see going on. So our people can understand what we're up against. Um, about a month ago, uh, a young white boy, uh, I think it was in Georgia somewhere. Um, went on a rampage at uh, Asian massage parlors and killed Mm -hmm. several people. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was caught. He wasn't killed. He was apprehended. Um, Since then, the media, along with powers that be, the same powers we're talking about, have changed the narrative to saying that Black folks in the inner cities are the abusers of Asians. You see it all around the country. You see certain black elected officials addressing it, uh, making apologist statements in reference to black communities because they showed on the television two individuals, uh, one I suspect has mental issues because he was released from jail after killing his mother Mm -hmm.
14: Mm -hmm.
1: and one that had clear mental issues because he was homeless and they acknowledged that he was mentally ill. Both of them slapped uh, Asian people in their face while they was walking down the street. So that changed the narrative nationally into blacks being the abusers of Asians. I saw it last week they had a gathering of Asians here in the city of Philadelphia and the congressman that's supposed to represent black people, Dwight Evans, was there apologizing to the Asian community and said that he's gonna, basically saying that he's going to do better with his community. Today they had another uh, gathering at the City Hall in Center City with Asians there and they had Asian representatives there. Uh, two Asian representatives at, at the city of Philadelphia and another one that they showed on the television, I guess others was there, but Sharif Street, a state representative here that represents black people were there again, apologizing to the Asian community. So we see here that always anything negative that sprouts up in this country, the media along with the white public always twisted. So the finger is pointed at the black community and some of these black operatives that claim to be representatives show addictive behavior as buying into those narratives and apologizing to the white public and other people. Um, your, your comments and questions, and I mean your comments in dealing with that.
9: Yeah. Um, the, it might be a little bit lengthy here, but uh, first of all, these people, we don't make any real demands on, on the people that we elect to represent us. Um, that, that's the first um, problem. Uh, we become so enamored with personalities, um, and then we may vote, but then don't follow up. So uh, only a small subset of the people who voted for a particular uh, politician really follow up and try to get some of the goodies uh, from that particular politician. But the community as a whole just put them in there and and sort of forget about them uh, and allow them to do whatever they want to do. Also, that's one aspect, um, because we could make it clear that if you don't stand um, um, strong for what we want you to stand for, then you won't get reelected. But that takes organization, and it also takes us being of the right mindset. Everything goes back to the right mindset. Um, uh, we don't even consider uh um uh, uh this whole uh, how we can manipulate the, this whole political machin- uh, machinery for us as a group uh uh we may contact the politician's office for something personal can you get my son out of jail uh, uh, uh can you take care of this ticket this this, this traffic ticket but we're not thinking uh, night and day as generals um uh, uh with a, with an army that we have to you know um, take care of as as we are, are fighting uh, uh this war so i mean that would solve it right there but also so too it's the same problem that the Kamalas and and uh even the, the biden uh, to tell uh, to tell the truth has in confronting the truth um these are people who want to maintain their positions and the folks that they feel are helping them maintain their positions uh, uh, mostly are folk who um, are, are better organized than their own black communities and, and therefore can um, punish them um, better than we can with, uh, with, with our lack of, of organization. So they're going to cater uh, to the people that uh, that can hurt them in some way, um, and particularly get them out of office or whatever, so th- it, their behavior really makes sense in that in that context. For because if they were to really tell the truth, um, uh, um, I can only speak from my own personal experience. Uh, I went to an Ivy League school that decided they, they did not want black people there, because the black students that um, they had admitted previously raised all kind of hell. Uh, uh, and it's documented um, in history. Um, the um, uh, the student body at Cornell uh, uh, was featured on the cover of Time magazine holding um, uh, guns strapped around, around their shoulder, et cetera, um, um making it clear that that they were serious. About opening up, you know, oh, uh, I guess admission and, and making some changes on that campus. And after that, the um, administration got real scared, and and decided they never give up by their by the way their opposition to us. We are always so willing and to give up uh, our struggle if they if they make the 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 the, the most minimal gesture. Of friendship, we'll just drop our guard entirely. They never give up their war against us. So they decided that okay, we will try to. Um, we're getting money to uh, to admit these so-called minorities. We don't want to give up that money. So what we'll do is we'll choose a different minority, the so-called good minority, um, um, the model minority. And even if, if you listen to the right folk on these uh, pundit shows, some of the Asians will you know, even talk about this, that now supposedly they are fed up with um, 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 uh, being considered the model uh, a minority. But while they were satisfied with that, um, they were more than willing to never support our causes we were marching all around um, campus um, very few Asians would march with us um, um, and that's a personal experience because they, they they were too glad to be there um too glad uh too scared to do anything um, uh, to disrupt um, 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 their 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 position in that whole academic uh uh community. So they were about to sacrifice anything for black people, for the black students there. And I, I said that before a white. Uh, as I say in my book on page, let me just turn that real quick. I, I think it's about page 80 or so. Uh, this is another truth that we don't want to accept. Black people have no friends in this world, and people think that that's um, you know an exaggeration, but it's not. Uh, Africans can hard on page 83. Africans can hardly find a friend anywhere in this world. The white oppressor's values, including prejudice toward African black skin, have infected nearly everyone, even the so-called lighter-skinned Negroes um, uh, of the Dominican Republic. Um, who despise their so-called darker, I call it richly pigmented, but so-called darker Haitian neighbors, Korean people, East Indian people, and others forsake their native land and their souls to chase a, a so-called better life in the West. Once in the West, the United States in particular, the, these immigrants... Even this, uh, the swarthy ones, in other words, in other words the, the more richly picked, like East Indians, um, quickly learn to hate and exploit black communities. And I go on to give examples of that, um, uh, the Chinese uh, exploiting the oil-rich uh, Sudan, et cetera, et cetera. But these um, um, Asians have never been willing to sacrifice anything to support our struggle. Yet they want to use our bodies um, um, as, you know, almost like, you know, what shields uh, when they get upset and want to to confront uh, 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 the white white uh, oppressors. And I'm not saying that that we shouldn't, because I do believe that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Um, But let's not – be bamboozled and thinking that um, uh, somehow uh, we are the enemies of Asian people. And in fact, in in history, it has been practically just the opposite. Um, And that's why I can't get all excited about marching with a group of any people who haven't laid down their lives for us um as they're now requiring us to do for them and no politician is going to say that
1: (laughs) let's go to 215 215 are you there
16: hey brother how you doing no worries i'm doing fine good evening brother richard and good evening dr fact how you doing my good brother
9: thank you Uh, uh good evening to you as well
16: yeah, as yeah, you know, Dr. Fox, I met you several years ago when Brother Rob, may I be pleased Yeah, I recognize him, the voice. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Fox. I got. You know, I've read your book many times. i read it like ten times over. And, and since you brought it up, I might probably read it again tonight before I go to yeah, You read. have to
9: read it over and over again because it has to get into your soul and into yes, your way of thinking. But go ahead.
16: I just want to say this—a comment and a question, Doctor Fox. My comment is this: When you talk about how, how some, how some of the Asians that Indians had they come to America, how they even forsake their own culture. I don't know if you're familiar with Michelle Malkin. She's an Asian uh, commentator on the, on the on the political right. Now, she—I think she's a Filipino or Chinese. I can't yeah, remember. I yeah. Mm-hmm. well, she she, is, she she buys in just what you said, Doctor. Fact. She she has seen her own TV trash her own Asian culture, and she want to fit in with the show and the Hannitys and the Tucker. I mean, she dogs her own people, man. I I've I've seen her dog mouth, yeah, and
15: All that. Right, well, yeah.
16: well,
9: as I said, um, there are there's um, Uncle Toms, mm-hmm. there's Uncle Tomas's right? for the Spanish speaking <laughs> people, there's Uncle Tom Toms for mm-hmm. the uh, um, Asian people, et cetera. So, I mean, we, we've we encountered all the, the, as I said before, we don't have a friend in the, in this world. Um, and it, it, and in fact, it, it's hard for us to be friends toward each other. We're yes. so involved in conflict and competition and envy that we've allowed out these damn crackers in their world view um, to separate us from each other so if we can't uh really get Unified and stay unified, how can we require that anybody else uh, uh, join with us in our struggle said but true dr Fox You're very and, sad.
16: And, my, and my question is this you know. And it's ironic because brother Elliot brought up the, the example that how the white boy went down and killed the Asian people down in Georgia. And my question is it's kind of related to what brother Elliot was saying. When you look at the situation with Maya Bride, the young sister that got killed by the white office in Columbus, Ohio. And I just want to ask you this question, Doctor Fox. Is this a case of, of being addicted to white? Because it, it's so sad that when I was listening to the various, you know, media outlets and stuff around the country, especially even a handful of left on, on Black terrestrial radio, they heard the number of Black men, a few Black women, Dr. Fox, men, a lot of Black men saying that they shooting by this white FAB officer, shooting our sister four times was justified. And, 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 and I bring this up, Dr. Fox, because the, cause, cause the, the narrative is that with these same uh, uh, Black men, said was justified if this was a black police officer, if they came on scene with white girls fighting with a knife and he gunned down a white girl, because those same black men would have saw that white girl's humanity, but they didn't even see their own sister's humanity, so they're going to justify this white cop killing uh, this sister, and like Brother Elliot said a minute ago, the white boy should up all those people in Georgia, and he gets born alive with father without a mm-hmm. distraction him. You know what I mean? Well, so so here here again, question. though,
9: here again, uh, we can go around in circles, um... Describing the behavior. We we all know that there is a way to disarm um, or they, these policemen, uh, um, uh, I call them the uh, Gestapo, mm-hmm. that they have a, a way of disarming people mm-hmm. when they want to without killing yes. them. Even yes. if you shoot once. Uh, I, I would say here again, and we're in this. Um, challenge to tell the truth, the whole truth. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were pinned up against that vehicle uh, uh, with her, uh, with a knife getting ready to come down on you, you would want somebody to do something to uh, to prevent you from being stabbed. That's number one. But number two, does, does that something have to be to kill her. Uh, Even the one shot somewhere in the leg um, could have stopped her from injuring that uh, sister uh, sister that that she had pinned against the car. Exactly. Uh, Something perhaps had to be done. It did not necessarily have to lead to death. But my thing is that I know that these people have no uh, regard for our humanity. We don't need to keep um, saying that over and over over again. The question is, how does that sister wind up in a situation whereby she's knocked one sister down to the ground and pinned another one against a car and getting ready to stab? We have to ask ourselves in, in terms of just protecting ourselves, how does that happen? What kind of household does she come from? Well, well, um, we- I don't care about uh uh you know constantly saying the same thing over again we know that we're dealing with savage cops
14: um mm-hmm. but
9: why are we inviting them into our midst exactly. why don't we have our own kind of enforcement uh group that we can call if uh, if we feel the need to call um uh, there that would come and perhaps diffuse that situation. Why do we keep inviting them into our midst? Why am I trying to stab my sister in the first place? I'm bringing, I'm asking for a cop to come and shoot my ass.
16: And, and, and see, Dr. Fox, like, you, you raised a good point because that's what that's I discussed here on the on. I that,
9: can't work on these crackers and what they're doing, but I can work on making that. sure that I raise a child that would never want to stab another black person.
14: And,
9: and, and
16: see, Dr. facts again, you asked me to make a good point, because this is why I was discussing on Terrestrial Radio. I said you had men sitting in the, in the area; They should have been ahead of that situation without the police have to be called. I mean, I'm saying, now you the yeah, one where brother. were the
9: men? Where were the, the other exactly. adult women? Uh, um, uh, were they standing around? Uh, well, peeping through a window? And, and why see, didn't they the come fact. out and just grab her hand? Exactly. um, um right. What's going on there?
16: And, and see, Dr. Fife, I've seen this many times play out here in Philadelphia. I've seen situations where two sisters get into it or maybe two brothers, and you have brothers my age. I'm 59. and join 50- it. Enjoying it.
9: Exactly. Enjoying, exactly. enjoying it. watching it.
16: And I'll be saying, well, brother, won't y'all stop this before somebody get hurt? They sit with their cell phones taking pictures like it's a game. This I ain't know. no damn game. Stop this stuff before the police even have to be called. That situation, like you said, Dr. fight should have been defused before well, any police had to be called." That's charged.
9: a part of uh, what we have to work on. That's agree. A mindset, uh, agree. we enjoy seeing each other, uh, um, uh, us cannibalizing each other.
16: Yes. Uh, Doing yes. the
9: bidding of our white oppressors, that's why this is not going to stop until uh, we take all of the time that we're not currently spending complaining about people uh, that, uh, that that we already know are savages and beasts. Take exactly. all that time and all that energy and focus it on how to raise revolutionists who would never be caught dead trying to stab each other. It would be, we would be too busy uh, um, uh, trying to stab our true enemy.
6: Quite yes, frankly, yes, yes, I agree, I
16: agree. And, and like I said, it starts with the mind. The mindset has got to be changed, man. We have got to change our mindset moving forward because, like I said, these incidents continue to happen, happen. And so a lot of it is, too, as you know, like the fact, that a lot of our people, unfortunately, they and these mind altering drugs, whether it be uh, that's weed, right, what, so that's, know, that's na- right. Um, and that's caused a lot of it, you know. So we got a lot. Of, we got work to do. We so let's concentrate
9: on that work. Yes, sir. You know, stop yes, describing sir. the problem over and over and over again. Then, uh, let's kind of concentrate on building from the ground up, from the womb up. If we're going, I'm going to continue to have children. Uh, building from the womb up, revolutionists. And if we, if we stop having kids, then building ourselves up. To the point, we uh, by we have detoxified from this uh, um, um, destructive uh, white worldview and a white value system.
16: I, and, and my last comment, Dr. Fox, and to Brother Ellen, and but and I and I get off. Ellen, you can put me on mute. One of the beautiful things I've seen, Dr. Fox, here in Philadelphia, as you know, today was a sunny day because I heard Brother Richard when that, when him and Ellen came on. Brother Richard was saying, "This is my kind of weather, you know, locked down or not, I like this." And I bring this up, Dr. Fox, because it it made my heart really feel good today to see it. so many black children out going with children supposed to be playing. I see so many black children out playing ball, riding their bikes, you know, uh, doing the little uh, double. Dutch jumping rope, whatever, you know, with all the stuff that children like to do, it just warmed my heart to see all these black children up here in the Germantown area just having fun, enjoying this nice weather, and that's what it's all about, Dr. Fox, letting these children have their space, letting these children, let black children be, be children, you know, let them have their fun, no gunshots, none of the madness going on, they just have fun, and that really warmed my heart, Dr. Fox. Thank you for for for, for, uh, for letting me express myself, Brother Elliot and Rich and Dr. Fox, keep going with your doing brother, and I will read your book in Canada again, I can never get tired of it. Brother Elliot, put me on mute now
14: listen to the rest of the
1: show all right dr fox uh listen i know i kept you over time you said mm-hmm. <laughs> you said that you would be uh, uh up till around nine so listen we didn't get through a lot of the solutions you did talk about some in a lot of your comments but uh, let me just say this
9: uh, in terms of solutions uh my entire work book is a solution and I wrote it that way. Um, I give the uh, um, precepts uh, upon which my pres- um, prescription is based in the first chapter, but, and that's about maybe 10% of the book. Uh, the rest of the 90% of the book is telling uh, the reader what he or she can do about it in terms of solving this addiction to white um it's not your usual book that's why it's not on one of those uh, what do you call it um um uh, uh, uh um forgetting the term the voice books uh um where you can just uh, or
1: e- um, e-books
9: yeah e-books mm-hmm. uh, and the um you know the voice uh, thing the um kindle um, um kind of thing where you just listen to the book. Uh, no this is something that you have to actively uh, uh, tussle with uh, hopefully with the help of your friends according to uh, the, the uh, prescription that I lay out for these into blessedness groups so the entire book practically is the solution um, uh, the question is are you willing to pick that solution up and follow through because at the end of of the uh, process Uh, My thinking is that you will be free enough in mind to carry on whatever kind of of, of battle we need to carry on. Uh, But without going through this whole detoxification procedure, we'll never be able to fight um, 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 uh, the wickedness of our oppressor effectively. So it is the solution or at least a solution. Doctor Fox, I just want to stress
1: that uh, give out the contacts if you want people to reach out to you, things of that nature, and, and uh, you know, people. Well, I tell people
9: make... I, I don't give address or phone number over the phone. Mm-hmm. I had uh, 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 two mysterious white people, one a uh, male and one a female, appear at my door uh, <laughs> well, right after I got uh, I got all, off the air <laughs> on another program. So I don't um, want nobody. I appearance. don't normally talk about it. Okay. But um, you can kind of, uh, you can find my contact information if you go to my press release, okay. Addicted to White press release. You can look it up on the Internet, and you'll find whatever you need Okay. So the, uh, in Google, order to contact me. Google
1: the title of the book, Addicted to White.
9: Addicted to White, the Oppressed and Lead Addicted with the, the Oppressor. Okay. You can get it uh, on Amazon or any bookstore um, just by, by asking for it.
1: Dr. Fox this is this is an ongoing topic and we'll be talking to you soon.
9: Okay, good. Thank, Thank you. you. All right then. Okay,
1: We're going to take a brief break and come back and uh and just uh, wind things down.
4: 58852444 that number is 2158852444 2158852444 all insurance incorporated
7: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837.
17: Escape the digital plantation. ibb2me.com, ibb2me.tv, 2 metvcom 2 mestore are here for you. You are ready to be free to join your global commit to you black family. To join your interconnected commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abib2me.com. Abib2me.tv. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation
18: that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said, "Responsibility. Is it is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have." to do the job of fulfilling the Black Agenda. Thank
14: you.
19: We have a message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock. nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you.
0: We are the watchmen on the wall. You are too. You watch with a political eye. We watch from a spiritual eye. But we're supposed to be the watchmen for the people that vote for us. The sad thing is the people vote. But they don't give you the money to run your campaigns. So here come big business. How are you? How are you, Judge? How are you, Alderman? <laughs> How are you, Congressman? How are you? How are you, Reverend? <laughs> well, what can I do for you today, Reverend? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we got to be careful of. We got to be careful of who we bow down to. You see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus, that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap, And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us yeah.
12: time for an awakening is a proud part of the black talk radio network the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to time for an awakening. I want to thank, I guess it was with us this evening, author, clinical psychologist, Dr. Jerome Fox, the book addicted to white, the oppressed in league with the oppressor. Richard. Yes. Yes. A uh, good conversation with Dr. Fox yes, spirit, if nothing else. Uh, a couple things I want to just throw out because, uh, The caller from Ohio, Sean, raised the question about what can we do? And, you know, listen, we do a small part here when we broadcast these programs as to showcase solutions. And people all around the country and sometimes different parts of the world that are doing things to fight this but all of them need help. They need soldiers. Mm -hmm. Um, I was looking in the chat room, and Brother Otis put a comment in there, and let me read a portion of it. He said, "Um, I can't agree that we haven't amassed the necessary quota to move the collective uh, but yet we are uh, as far as we're not doing anything that's not true uh, we just haven't built enough yet and I do agree with that to a great yeah. degree that we haven't amassed and put no put it this way I think we mass the quota to do it. It's just not the collective it's not right. organized it's not it's too much. Um, stuff going on, personalities, uh, self-aggrandizement, things going on. You you realize this, Richard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And until that stuff is moved, I do agree with Dr. Fox, this stuff can change overnight for our people. It has to be moved. It has to be. The people that want their name first on top billing, uh, the first in the front, to sit in the front and, uh, you know, that uh, later for that stuff. Because just like Minister Furrican says in that clip, uh, we can't keep relegating this to generation after generation. We can't. I mean, I look at my daughters. Now, they don't have children now. But I don't want even my daughters or uh, the future uh, grandchildren to come along to be dealing with this foolishness from these people. Who wants that? It's all right to talk about what these folks are doing, but I do agree with Dr. Fox. We can't spend a lot of time just keep on rehashing what these people are doing yep. because they're going to keep doing it. Right. We we got to join organizations that we feel as though is moving in the right direction. You might hear Dr. Fox and say, oh, well, I don't agree with him. Well, okay. We're not going, I don't agree with the stuff. My family does my wife, mm-hmm. whatever. That, that has nothing, no bearing on the thing about don't agree with somebody. If you agree with somebody else, then join them. We got to fight what's going on and we got to be organized. Richard, your opinion on it?
5: Well, I, I'm definitely, I was, I was, um, I was trying not to, you know, as you were raising that question, I'm dealing with the, you know, just some formations and I, I'm going I'm to do it like this because, um, And the reason why i might have been pressing um dr fox around the facilitator role right because i'm engaged in a newly formed um um collective trying to to, um put together the narrative of, of black philadelphia and and you know and i think that's like really important but that's that you know when i um look through the manual and I see the role that the facilitator has to have. And that one thing about being self, you know, having self-confidence and being, uh, you know, having, being truthful, right. But to be able to regulate different, the different personalities um, it's, it's something that we have to be able to do. If we accept that we come to building organizations from a perspective of our own trauma, or as is laid out in uh, a lot of discussion, mental, mental health, that we're we're wrestling with. And, you know, that that, beca- that becomes a challenge. And I, and then the other thing I, I seen, you know, and, um, you know, yesterday was in a training session with those of, of Peace Park. And what I noticed there, you know, in the sense of being one who's um, older, you know, of those who are, now these are men and women who've been working ten years. I've just come, you know, in our involvement with them, right? I've just um, come became involved with them. But what I see is that that intergenerational, the experience and knowledge that they need. Now it ain't like they're not doing it. They're, I mean, they're actually building something to where, and they've actually been in fights with the city. You know, building relationships with the community, um, actually creating a a, a um, taking over um, blocks that were elements that you know drug infested, um, you know, um, prostitutions were, and cleaning them up, cleaning it out. But what I don't see is the intergenerational, and when we're talking about how, so that the, that communication of being able to share. And I just gave those two examples of when you're building a new foundation, which you have to foundation relationship, right. That that you have to as laid out and and understand the values and then dealing with younger people uh, who, who are really committed and and committed and you've seen that they're um, clustering amongst themselves and taking space, man. They move from North Philly to West Philly. But there's those of us who are disconnected to give them, you know, not necessarily dictate them because, you know, what you laid out. Personalities, leadership, that's it, but at least be able to show that you're willing to be there. I see that in some instance as um, not as fulfilling as I think it should be, because they need that experience. They need that experience with them. And I just see that this is the challenges that we have from my vantage point that we have, and I assume that's multiplied in other places. Um, I remember the show we had with um, 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 Baba Baron and, and Brother Y King and and Brother Tommy um, and, and 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 Brother Marcus. I mean, they exchanged ideals and. And now I can be able to say based off of our interaction that that is supporting that organizational development or um, that you're talking about and what, um, you know, Brother Otis is is mentioning and definitely um, showing signs of what Dr. Fox is saying we need to do. And I just so it is that things are going on, but there's there's we. There's connections that that kind of conversation has to go on, not about what these people are doing, not doing, but that conversation of what is it that we need in order to do what we're doing as, as Baba Wade say Mo better. That needs to be the conversation that because that's what'll be healthy and helpful, it seems. Um that's my reaction. Yeah, and listen. Um the
1: The comment that um that uh uh joe uh mm-hmm. brother Joe made in reference to um uh, the people standing around right right and uh west out of georgia always makes that comment see now we we had groups on here that have talked about policing their own communities. I remember the Black Coffee Party, when they came on down in Louisiana, they was talking about that uh, mm-hmm. with a, with a uh, force similar to the Deacons of Defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Stanley Crawford uh, here in Philadelphia with boots on the ground. It, it's, it's, it's folks, and that's just the, two of the ones that have been on this program. I'm quite sure it's others around the country that have developed ways to police their own communities and to do it more effectively they need more volunteers or the people right. to help either maybe to teach self defense classes, to even teach how to use weapons properly. It's it's different things that can be done where well, we can devise a force to patrol or and police, our own communities where we don't have to call these people in. So it will be problems, something <laughs> like that with two young ladies, 16 year olds fighting should been mm. dealt with by adults, right? And it, It's got, it's a uh, distracting, I hear some, uh, maybe that's. I was um, cleaning my glasses. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's ways that these things can be dealt with. You know, some of our people's just sitting around and, and they're talking about a George Floyd bill and uh, HR one, uh, the caller from New York, Jay mentioned that the other day. I mean, it's good to, to try to push for some of that stuff to satisfy certain people. But when you realize that the wiles of this man and what he does, that type of stuff is not going to fly because he's not interested in that. That's why I read this, that article Friday. And I'll read it again for any listeners that didn't hear it because the caller raised the uh, pushing of the George Floyd bill in HR one, which is a uh, thing against uh, voting any uh, voting of, uh, of, uh, to make it simpler to vote. Um, and I'll read this again because it came from a, uh, uh, uh published report. It says of, as of March 24th, legislators from around the country have introduced 361 bills with restrictive positions, provisions, excuse me, in 47 states. That's 108 more than the 253 restrictive bills tallied as of February 19th, 2020. A 43% increase in just a little over a month. Fueled by the lie of widespread voter fraud and uh, discriminatory in design, these bills have the potential to dramatically reduce voting access to black voters. Now, it mentioned here, Richard, and I'll say it again, that these legislators have introduced 361 bills in 47 states. And we already know, just dealing with this man's political system, that 47 states is not all Republican states, or so-called mm-hmm. red states. And it's only 48 continental states, it's, it's two that's outside this continental boundaries. So you got 47 of the 50 states that have already introduced bills to restrict voting and target it towards black people. So what is that saying? Because black folks think that the Democrats is our friends and the Republicans is our sworn enemies. Mm. Instead of looking at the system, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, this system is a sworn enemy of black people. And a lot of these people that, that occupy these political offices work with one another. They're friends with one another. And, and wait a minute, I better I better uh, put a asterisk on that, Richard, hmm. because the whites that are in these political offices that are Democrat and Republican, when they argue in, the, in these so-called halls of the Senate and halls of Congress and they come outside a, good, a, a lot of them are friends with one another. Mm-hmm. Their wives are friends. They they go have dinner. They socialize. They do. Now, the black ones don't. They take this crap, this man's system, more seriously than he, he does. He just want to preserve white hegemony and white superiority at all costs. But these Blacks, they look at the so-called Republicans as their sworn enemies. And to guys like Tim Scott, you think that they go out to dinner with Kamala Harris? Hmm. No, I'm I'm asking you, Richard. Oh,
5: yeah. Do you think so? I, I, don't, I don't know about going out to dinner, but I know they communicate cordially. They do? Um, informally, informally, yes. I didn't know that. Because yeah. Black folks look
1: at these people as their sworn enemies. Mm-hmm. Just like Dr. Fox said, call them all kind of names. I don't think they socialize with one another outside of those those so-called hallowed halls at all. Mm. And some of their political operatives, the Paris Denards and, and, and uh, the Candace Owens, I don't think they socialize with so-called oh, no, black it's Democrats. It's
5: different, it's different classes of them. I mean, and and I'm, I'm speculating because, you know, one thing you see and they, they have these routes or it's a, when they they have these um dinners or the press uh banquets um they're all Oh, they're I'm not all... talking about something
1: like that. So mm-hmm. they might all have to be represented. But I'm talking mm-hmm. about socializing. Listen, uh, this personal, president personal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This president we had did a eulogy to Strom Thurmond, didn't he? Mhm. He was his friend and mentor, wasn't he? Mhm. Oh, uh, so that that's not that's that's above and beyond any type of uh a political dinner where everybody has to be there. That's a social interaction that they had. A lot of this stuff goes on between whites on so-called, quote-unquote, other sides of the aisle. They don't look at themselves as sworn enemies. They just want to protect what they have. Protect white hegemony. Protect this racist government. They protect it if it has mm. to be changed, if it has to be tweaked to look like it's fair, then they're willing to do it to a certain extent. Right. Just as long as they're on top, just as long as they can dictate the narrative. They ain't going to be involved in anything where they're not dictating the narrative. That's a fact. Let me, I'm going I'm to go to uh, Newport News because on Friday I, didn't get a chance to get his comments and he might want to make them tonight. Let's go to Newport news. Are you there?
20: Oh, Matt, I, I was really just listening, bro.
1: I, yeah. Cause I I knew I missed your, your comments on Friday and I didn't realize until after yeah, we got off the air and Richard that mentioned it.
20: I, I got a chance to uh, battle last night though, with, J, with Jay on Janice's program. I'm not going to be <laughs> hard. But I, oh, I, I, just, I just put it this way. I understand and love that brother, but I'm not too much for when your critique ends up talking about the uh, dysfunctional Negro. Our mm. people are under, under assault. Yeah, That's yes. why I say when I, when I see him out here battling in different factions and I say, you know, in the end, like the conversation that was going on tonight, basically I heard brother Tim, saying the same thing a different way than the other guy did. But I think they miss it because the other guy is saying, okay, uh, uh, Dr. Fox, we know these things and we all know how to describe what the problem is. But when it comes to getting together, I call it the drum major thing. And I I talk about this all the time. And I tell people I studied King in high school and I argued with experts at the time when they talk about his drum major speech. I think people miss it. King is not saying everybody should be a drum major. I get the message from him that everybody can't be the drum major. The people that come into a group talking about they want to do work, the microphone, everybody can't be on the microphone. It's not a choir. So you got to be able to play the cymbal. Somebody got to play the clarinet. Somebody got to play the horn. But as I've done work over the last 30 years, I'm talking online and in person. People will leave if they can't be the one with the spotlight and the microphone. They don't understand collaboration, and part of it comes back to the same mess that Tim Scott put out. I, I made it from a uh, what the grandson of a of a ex slave or sharecropper to the halls of Congress. Well, Negro, you act like you did something that never been done before because you didn't what? Don't understand the Reconstruction era. Don't understand black uh, represented elected officials being beat on in the very houses of the places they were elected to. Don't understand the people being run off. Even the white collaborators were killed. So you come up here and tell a whole new crop of people on national television that, yes, Obama was right. We post racial. It's colorblind. And ain't nothing but race hustlers out here because it ain't no more racism in America. And then then I hear Jay say, well, I ain't worried about him. What do you mean you ain't worried about him? He just turned a population of 65, you got 65% of this country is white. A lot of them, a few of them have been speaking out, especially over the last 18 to 24 months when reparations came to the fore. Now, I've actually seen people on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, white folks say, I didn't understand this and I have a college diploma. So that tells me there's a few people that's white that even woke up. So now that you got things looking like they're going to trend for people to wake up and maybe come to the table and not just have you at the table serving. You know, I don't need no seat at the table. I need to be the one to pick the damn menu. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I can't be a shot caller and tell you what's going to be on the menu, ain't it needed me being at the table? So my point is, our people don't want to understand the wins that they get because somebody stole this from me. I made this. I need to be the spokesperson. Hold on. You say that you were no leader. And I hear this not just on the, on the group that I worked with. I'm talking across groups. I needs to be this way. You can't get it done till here. Well, hold on. 400 years of oppression, and you think whatever your field is, I don't care whether it's psychology or medicine or education, you think that's the only area of or battlefront in this war? Every war got multiple battlefront. <laughs> you can't be, yeah. I i, I went up to, to a, a historically black college and was talking to a lady, talking about reparations. She told me, any reparations we get, they need to run it through the HBCUs. And I said, well, why would you say that? She gave a presentation, and she saw me frowning, and she said, well, I think you don't agree. I said, yeah, but out of respect for you, I think we need to have a pro- conversation in private. When we got in private, you know what I did? I pulled out stuff and asked her, how come, if that's the case, how come these black politicians ain't been working like uh, Cummins and and uh, Lewis and the, what's the other one that, that died— uh, I, I can't even call his name. Uh, you know, they've been in there 30 years. Even like old Lacey, uh, Lacey out there, that, that uh, Bush beat. You've been in Congress for 20, 30 years. You ain't done nothing to build the endowments of black institutions so they can have some uh, independence. And you out here telling me about what? You a leader? How are you a leader? You you a multimillionaire, and the college is still broke. Right. <laughs> See, that's what that's what I'm talking about. I told him I don't care about you making accolades like the brother like Brother Fox was saying. If you haven't done something or doing something to attempt to uplift the collective, you write back to 1710 meritorious manumission. They used to give Negroes extra to tell on everybody else and hold them back. That's how I see these people. I see, and and I, since you're on your program, that's how I see uh, Sharpton. That's how I see Mark Morrell. That's how I see Derek, uh, what's his name, Johnson over at NAACP. As much as I love Cheryl feel I see them the same way. You can't keep telling me that you're improving and you're doing like Patrice Colors, and you got multiple dwellings all over the country and uh, hidden fees coming to you. And you out here telling me but you working for the people and ain't nothing improved in the people's lives. I'm going to stop there, brother. I appreciate your time. We <laughs> got to understand people like Kim Scott are really problematic because they let white folks go back to sleep and say, yeah, I was right. They are just lazy Negroes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> Richard. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. Yes. Listen, it, uh, it's all, it's always good to, uh, to uh, hear the thoughts of, uh, of our people out here, because, uh, we definitely in all sleep, right? We know what's going on, but we just got to get more involved and, and more involved because there's groups in all of these cities is doing things. I'm, t- I'm telling you, and I'm not in every city, but I know that the spirit right. of our people and the spirit of our ancestors is still on the descendants of, of our people that we're here. And we just got to get organized. Now, it's other factors involved to stop that organization because this man realized it too. In fact, you share with me, Richard, I want to, it's on my phone, so I can't really read it, Uh, but I'm going to pull it up and read it to, uh, read it on the air uh, to the listening audience because I always like to to use the program and all to share information that, Some of our people might not be aware of. Um, And I'm trying to get it while we're talking. And uh, it's coming up now. And it talks about the amount of, the, the title of the article is CIA Democrats in the 2020 election. And it talks about the number of candidates and people that have one office, that were involved in intelligence,
5: mm-hmm.
1: the CIA and other intelligence agencies,
5: military intelligence also. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. the CIA also military intelligence and a few other these agencies that are involved in the democratic. No, are not involved. That are that have won seats in elective office. Now, some of them was running and didn't win that's not saying that they're not influencers in the democratic party just cause they didn't win. Mm-hmm. We know how this system runs, but some of those people mentioned
5: in this article, several of them won office, Richard. Yeah. And they've been making one a darling. I can't, I can't remember her name, but she, you know, they pull her out every time that, you know, and she's a young Congresswoman, but you know, she's an ex analyst. Um, you know, what so, we call the alphabet soup
1: company. So you, you got people involved in intelligence at the highest levels in this country that's in a party that's supposed to be a black folks friend. How does that work? To me, that's an oxymoron. What the hell? What, again, what am I living in the twilight zone? What is going on? Do, do you think some of our people realize this, Richard? I, I haven't heard anybody
5: um, mention it. In and you, and of,
1: listen, me. you're not going to hear it on a lot of these popular shows. Uh, you just heard Brother Mitch, uh, brother Otis mention uh, 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 mm-hmm. uh, Sharpton and others. You've mm-hmm. got a bunch of other shows, including Roland Martin. You're not going to mm-hmm. hear these things on his show. They're not going to talk about that. They're not. And raise the question of what does that mean? Exactly. And raise the question. Exactly. So it could spur some type of intelligent dialogue and thought about our
5: situation. And at the same time, tell us that the, uh, the far right or, or the, uh, what is, what they call them? The, um, the, the, the ones that some of them that um, stormed the, the Congress hall of white, a white identity extremists that they're, you know, that they're at a, the, one of the most critical periods at this moment, which means that they have people in there. Oh, certainly.
1: Certainly. We listen we almost halfway through the year. That junk happened in early January, right in the beginning of January. Right. we almost halfway through the year. And, uh, you know, beside a couple of people that have been brought up on charges of uh, illegally entering uh, the White House and, uh, and, and uh, throwing stuff around, some old misdemeanor charges. Ain't no, th- listen, they're not going to prosecute their people. They're not. Believe me, if you had a ran in there, and I ain't talking about hitting no uh, officer upside no head with no fire extinguisher and causing his death, or spraying spraying bear spray in guys' faces that caused their death, I ain't even talking about that. If you would have ran up in that place, you would they would have had you on trial. You'd been convicted, and you'd already be in jail serving hard time. If you wasn't mm-hmm.
5: shot down in the hall, right? That's I mean, if you were that lucky, because a guy just had a knife and and, and, they, and they shot him he
1: just had a knife, and, and you know that even at the gate that story went out of the news almost as fast as it, it was in the news. Usually they like to drag a black person through the mud, especially if they did something that they feel so is a uh, stain that they, they you know they, they'll run their name out there uh interrogate their family, go into their background say he was a drug dealer, he sold drugs, he was this and that, put his police blotter up there. But you notice that you didn't hear any more mm-hmm. about this individual. Mm-hmm. Beside his name. You didn't hear any more.
16: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think he was in the service at one time, wasn't he, Richard?
5: I I, I don't know the details of it. But yeah, now that comes, yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think he was in the service.
5: So they do know about him. Mm-hmm. They know who he
1: is. They know, they know about it. But mm-hmm. for some reason, it never reached the media, his background, to drag him through the mud and talk about uh, this, that, and the other.
5: And that was one of the, the what I'm willing to develop, even looking at, uh, you know, the uh, Dr. Fox manual, um, because one of the sections is about trustworthy recorders and, and interpreters of history, as far as one of those white values. And then I'm asking myself: When we talk about the black media, are they really mimicking or or black pundits? And you gave when you opened the, the example of the sister was asked the question. Well, are they to be trustworthy re, re, recorders when they're actually saying that there is? I mean, this this is not a this is not a politician or or just a this is a a a journalist if i understand and their their job is to communicate supposedly at least facts i ain't gonna say truth i'll say facts and so when the question comes is this a a racist country and you get a whole lot of side talk are they trustworthy recorders (laughs)
1: yeah well um I think intelligent members of our community can answer that question themselves, and, and and know also that black media as a whole do a disservice and are doing a disservice to people that they're supposed to be serving. Now, notice, notice I said people that's supposed to be serving because mm-hmm. they supposed to give stories to black people from a black perspective, African-centered perspective, African-American perspective, whatever perspective they're Mm -hmm. supposed to be giving these stories from that perspective and spur thought to get our people to some type of action. But generally they don't go far enough. Certain issues hit the news and they have to talk about it, but they don't go far enough into these issues. Because if you start pointing a finger at white folks or this system as a whole, which white people generationally have upheld, then they don't want to do that. Because they figure they're talking about their friends, or talking about their lovers, some of them talking about their wives or husbands. Mm. They tied in with these people. They are tied in. You can't make any headway or, or really discover or, or put the news out there if you're gonna be protecting somebody.
5: You uh, got to put I, the fact. You sure. got to put the facts out there, Richard. Yeah. It, it just you know, when you said that because one thing that and, and I don't know if I have time to go down, but the, I was just um, looking at a um, you know Yahoo News and um, uh, U government poll- did a poll. About the um, people getting vaccinated, um, which came out a, co- a couple of days ago, and this, it, and, and 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 I'm focusing on what we're hearing, you know, and when it says that the, um, and I'll just use this paragraph: the lower you are, in the, and now they're polling and saying basically that um, they, they probably hit a plateau as far as the amount of people are ta- taking the vaccine. Now, you remember, you know, how they were like coming all out on Black folks to get this vaccine. Mm-hmm. So it says the lower you are in the income ladder, the less likely you are to be vaccinated. With the numbers of vaccinated, 74% or eager 5% uh, Americans making $100,000 or more per year, far exceeding the same number, 49% uh, and 7% among those making less than fifty thousand and while efforts to overcome, this was to get what got me, and while efforts to overcome access issues and historical distrust in black communities have have helped have helped black Americans to continue to black Americans had continued to rank among the least likely to say they have already been vaccinated, 50%. And the likeliest to say they will never get jabbed. Twenty four percent. Now, this is what what got me: the CDC decision to uh, decision last month um, to pause the Johnson and Johnson vaccine while officials investigated a handful of extremely rare blood blood clotting incidents, and then resume it is is used it's used after the risk was confirmed to be vanishing small van vanishingly small and limited to uh, women ages 18 to 48 has not improved the situation. Although most Americans, 67% say pausing was the right decision, just 47% say um, unpausing was wise. And the public is is divided over whether Johnson & Johnson vaccine itself is safe, 44%. Now, I went, I went down to that because Black people were saying that they didn't trust this all along, mm-hmm. and in spite of that, they were doing the push. And now, as they're polling, you know, when you get this here incidents, whether it's real or not, doesn't that feed into for us to say, "See what I told y'all"? And therefore, but to me, the reporting of of our mindset. That it ain't just something that we're anti-vaxxer. We have a legitimate fear about what these guys is doing with these vaccines, and everybody ain't gonna be just running around it, running down there and getting stuck. But is the black media speaking from that vantage point? Of no. What is the legitimate fear?
1: No. In fact, they don't have. This popular black media, they don't have no, what they consider detracting statements about uh, nothing, no information. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's, uh, against vaccines, period, not, uh, not only just against this vaccine, against vaccines, period, no other, other side of the aisle type of information of information. But, you know, we see some of, see at first they put out the narrative that every black was running around, get, get going down, getting uh, getting vaccines. Mm-hmm. They show blacks standing in line all over the place.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Now the facts are starting to come out that our people haven't been getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. They had a big push the other day at a church here in uh, Montgomery, uh, no, Delaware County, a large church. And they had a couple hundred thousand vials. They said 20 people showed up at the church. Mm-hmm. They had this vax, John, a couple of weeks ago. Nobody hardly showed up there. But they keep commercials going on. When I was watching that uh, Face the Nation today, they had a commercial come on. They had two commercials come on. Spike Lee was on there telling people to go get vaccinated and somebody else. I forgot who it was, John Legend or somebody. So they still got this thing promoting black people to get vaccinated. So and,
5: and not giving by people those. I mean, it may be it's various ranges, but that we need to see those various ranges in relationship to why we are skeptical. We skeptical about the police. Ain't nobody want to believe it, but they're going to tell us once they seen one person, you know, get you know on it's, it's a shock around the world. So what? When we said it don't mean anything. There's no rationale, and it's the same thing about this that that. That statement uh, about, you know, there's America is not racist. You can I, I don't know how how many black people you going to poll you would put in poll to get in a high number where they would say this is not a racist country. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take one more before we get ready to get out of here, Richard.
1: Let's go to two six seven.
6: Two six seven. Hey, hey, Elliot. Um, hey Richard. Thanks, I, I heard your conversation. And, you know, the thing about it, me and my wife were sitting there earlier, and we were looking at the news. And it's funny. Listen to it real carefully. They had them saying that more people need to get vaccinated because the coronavirus numbers are soaring and they're going up, right? But at the same token, right after that, they had Governor Phil Murphy come on and say, like, long as the numbers continue to go down, we're going to be opening up our business. Mm-hmm. And me and my wife both caught that. We said, wait a minute. They don't know what they want to tell the people. On one hand, they're telling them the numbers is going up, come get vaccinated. But then Phil Murphy comes on and says the numbers are continues to go down, so it's time for us to open up 100%. That was right on the news this afternoon. And then one of my cousins posted something. Uh, It was out of Illinois. where a fully vaccinated man. Uh, He he actually died. He died from COVID. And then if you really read this article, because my cousin must not have really read it when she posted it, but she said this is the first man that died from a fully vaccinated man that died from COVID. But if you read that article that came from News 7, which is a, you know, um, a real news network, they said 77 fully vaccinated people were hospitalized. And also they said um, 32 have died that were fully vaccinated in Illinois only. So those numbers they're giving us, man, are all, I mean, who's fooling who here? You know what I mean? So I just wanted to like let y'all know that man because this is uh this is there's a sight game going on. And then if you continue to read that article, the doctors in Illinois said, Well, the vaccine don't have any kind of effect on people when um uh, when they are." Uh, when they have a bad, uh, improper immune system. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're starting to admit this stuff now. But we had people like Dr. Aline, the two scientists you had on earlier, said all about the immune system. They're now admitting that the vaccine, if if your immune system is compromised, the vaccine won't work. So you got (laughs) to start... uh, building up your own natural immune system. I mean, this thing is so sick. It's, it's pathetic. And, and then there is more information coming out. If you go back and look at the news report from 1976, I think it was 60 Minutes, Dan Rather, the same game was played on the American public in 1976, except... The pharmaceutical companies, you could sue them and lawsuits out the behind
14: mm-hmm.
6: because of the swine flu. And it's almost the same thing, creating blood clots in women. Women can't walk. Their face is swelling up. This time they covered their tracks. They're doing the same advertising and everything, putting the people in a panic. Except this time, if you're stupid enough, you'll go there and sign a waiver that you can't sue them. I mean, this this is... You
14: know,
6: I, I don't know, man. I don't know. And and our so-called black media, and you know who I'm talking about, not this station, but these local stations and the Sharptons and the Roland Martins and the D.L. Hewley's and all those nuts, they're telling you go out there, line up, and get your vaccine. But you can't even sue the people if you get one of those adverse effects. And I just talked, and I'm going to leave you all with this. I just talked to my cousin down in Georgia. She got she got the vaccine and she's regretting it. She says she was down a whole week and she didn't know if she she was gonna make it. So they're not reporting all this stuff, man. And uh, they're using our people as guinea pigs. That's why they got all Obama and uh, and the rest of them telling us Charles Barkley and Shaquille telling our people. And that's why I sort of, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I, I listened to Dr. Fox, just caught the tail end. Now, I might be mistaken, but it, it almost sounds like he said, those people that are causing our people harm, we got to leave them alone. I, 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 I disagree with that. You got to expose those people. You gotta let our people know what oh, they're no, doing. No, he didn't say that. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, he didn't, oh, okay. No, because because you know I get I get when I hear that they said like that's against uh what's my name um, Neely Fuller uh, Neely Fuller said don't even waste your time with them because they're cannon fodder. We got to do what we got to do. I disagree with that. Those people are just as much as an enemy as the people with neo-Nazi signs. And we got to expose them. I don't know where that kind of mindset come from, but it's wrong. If somebody's your enemy, I don't care what color he is, he's still your enemy. You know, so I, you know, I just had to throw that in there. Maybe I misunderstood him, but that's what I heard. You know what I mean? And I don't like it at all. I think it's, I think it's very deceptive.
1: No, he, no, he mentioned that the, the, those people are are enemy because they they uh, uh, join in with the racist system that's against us. But he said that oh, we okay. can't just spend time just talking about them. We have to do something about it. Oh, okay.
6: All right. Well, I, I would say expose them. you know what I mean? You got to expose. Them. Oh yeah. They, at first. Yeah. They at
1: first they got to be exposed yeah. so people can see right. what they're doing. Yeah. I okay. agree with you.
6: Well, maybe I maybe I misunderstood. So, okay then. Well, gents, have a good evening. And, uh, you know, we got to continue waking our people up and, and those who've taken the vaccine, that seem like they, uh, they're resenting the fact that we've been – and I I know how it is because, you know, when somebody said, well, I told you so, that sort of ticks you off. So I guess a lot of times we got to just, like, ease up, love our people for making a mistake because somebody loved us when we made it. So love them, man, and try to treat them with quick kid gloves. I got – I got, I I have uh, – relatives right now won't speak to me because I told them I don't even want that nonsense in my veins, so. Mm-hmm. With that, I'm gonna let you guys go. But uh, have a good evening, all right? Talk to you.
1: All right, take care, Rich, Richard. We come up on the end of another program. Uh, before we leave, uh, before we leave tonight, I'm gonna uh, give the lineup one time for Awakening Media uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African perspectives with Brother Oshi always interesting conversation and dialogue on African perspectives. That's uh Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. from six to eight later on that evening, Acres of Diamonds with host brother Jihad Ahmed from eight to nine black, Se- black therapy central with host Dr. Mouya Kamban and Dr. Kamal Kamban, her co-host, uh, Conversation reparations from nine to ten, first and third Mondays of every month. I talked to Brother Jim okay K. Uh, what Saturday and uh, still intends to get the program back on the roll on the road, but uh, we'll see mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Uh, on Tuesdays, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. That's from eight to ten on Tuesday evenings. On Wednesday, uh, the Black Farmers Program debuted last week, uh, and they'll be airing again this Wednesday. Is this Wednesday at eight o'clock, the black farmers, uh, this is, this is our time. I think that's the name of the program. I don't have it in written in front of me, but the black farmers program, the, uh, part of the Southern cooperative down there that, uh, that airs the program on Wednesday evenings from eight o'clock, eight until nine, uh, on Friday's time for an awakening is about oh, on Thursday. I'm sorry. Um, oh, I don't, I don't even have the title of the program on Thursday. I, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, it's part of the Black Reality Think Tank, but they air on Thursday at 8. And on Friday, time for An Awakening is back from 8 until. On Saturdays, from 4 to 6, Black Sister Talk with host LaWanda Chambers. And then later on Saturday evenings, from 7 to 9, it's the Elders of San Kofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins. And then time for An Awakening is back on Sunday from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program This evening, lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening.
12: Peace. Peace.
21: Driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, <laughs> or you're watching your children play. Billions.